Leading Britain's conversation. You're listening to a podcast of The Steve Allen Show from LBC. Morning, a pretty nice to be company. Wednesday, 3rd of May. And uh, that means we're with you all the way through until 7 o'clock this morning. This is when London comes out to play and the rest of the country as well for the huge spike. Uh, what have we got this morning? The boy of 10 who raised the alarm when robbers attacked his mum and then in a police lineup he picked him out. What a clever boy. What a clever boy. The topless Kate pictures, very painful because of uh, Diana. Uh, William is seeking, I suppose jointly they're seeking, £1.3 million in damages. How you how you work that out, I've got no idea. That's up to the, uh, the courts to work out. Uh, also, caring children cuts your risk of Alzheimer's. Uh, the high street stores female mannequins too thin, too thin. They, they don't represent anybody. Cereal is tastier in a square bowl. How do they work that one out? Don't sign t- you. I'll bet you anything, that costs an absolute fortune to work out. And Johnny Depp was fed the script with a hidden earpiece. Ooh. Actually, there's nothing new in that. Nothing new in that. Mae West, years ago, had to have a, a, a hidden earpiece in because she couldn't remember her lines. Mae West was a, a sort of a blousy, burlesque-type performer. You know, it's not the men in my life, it's the life in my men, uh, kind of thing. And she had a, an earpiece fed in to her so that they could read the line, somebody off script. And they're, they're saying, there's a court case going on, Johnny Depp is accusing his uh, former agents of this, that and the other, and they're now saying that he's actually got um, an earpiece and somebody's feeding him the line. He pays somebody to feed him the lines. What's the matter with that? I don't actually see a problem in that at all. As I say, when Mae West had it, uh, the problem they had in the early days was it was all new technology. And as I've repeated the story before, I shall repeat it again. Because halfway through the, I think the film was Sextet, She's, she's at 19 Melrose Avenue. And the producer, what's she saying? Uh, side door. And then, what she, she's picking up the local minicab. That's all she's picking up. She, it was just sort of coming in. So, of course, everything that appeared in her ear, she repeated, poor soul. Uh, Meghan Markle, not heard about her for a while, have we? She's going to win over the royal family. Apparently she's going to cook them roast chicken. I bet they're thrilled. Do you seriously think that the royal family are all going to sit down? And uh, this is um, is my my gran. This is the queen. This is Prince Philip. This is Prince Andrew. Uh, These are the two daughters. Don't laugh. And these are all these other people. And Meghan's now going to cook roast chicken. I'm sorry, this is the royal family. Do me a favour. You don't think they've eaten roast chicken before. You think the Queen's gone in there and basted a chicken. And old Philip's gone there I love the old crispy roast potato. They're my favourite. You know, it could be quite nice, actually. But, I mean, roast chicken is not really everybody's favourite. What would I cook? Sausages. Because I know that Beatrice and Eugenie go a bundle on big sausages. I've just got a feeling. On the family barbecue. Because the Queen loves a barbecue. The Queen loves a barbecue. I know that for a fact because I've got pictures. And uh, Philip's always the one uh, who does the cooking on the barbecues. Because with their former friend called... Oh, I can't remember what she was now. She was the, the, one of the Queen's oldest friends, Pamela, I think. She died. She wrote a book. Margaret Rhodes. That's right, Margaret Rhodes. And uh, she, it was close. Pamela, Margaret Rhodes, you know. I was thinking of Pamela Pamela by uh, Wayne Fontana. I don't know why, but I just was. And anyway, and she said she she had pictures of going off on this on a on a barbecue thing. And Prince Philip was the one who liked cooking. And I remember thinking then, you see, the funny thing is that I think the royal family likes simple things, but I don't think anybody's ever going to serve up roast chicken to the royal family. I mean, unless Meghan Markle's going to do something interesting with a chicken, which I think is highly unlikely. And do you seriously think that uh, old Harry likes her for her roast chicken? I bet not. I bet not. 
Um, uh, what have we got here? Um, a Laura Laura Sillers in the paper today. They're looking for somebody to play Silla Black, so they've had an open casting. Peter Kay's announced the end of the road for car share um, because he um, he just has. And there's no Christmas special. There's no uh, extra shows coming up or anything like that. He's just decided it's the end of the road, which is a shame. And one in nine men feel lonely every day, which is what Darren was talking about earlier on. Which is interesting, isn't it? Because there's some people in the paper today. I think there are five people. It's some men and some women. And the one thing they've all got in common is they can't find anybody to go out with. And yet they're not unattractive people. You know, in terms of, you know, look, but there again, I've sometimes found the most attractive people are the dullest. You know, always go out with somebody unattractive. They're far more grateful, far more grateful. And they're, you know, grateful to go out with you and all the rest of it. So I've seen these pictures of these five people. They said, what have they all got in common? And the thing they've got in common is that they're sort of too attractive to pick people up because people are put off by attractive people. You know, I shouldn't imagine there's anybody attractive listening to this programme, but that's, that's par for the course as far as I'm concerned. But, uh, yeah. Yeah, but you're not a listener. You're not a typical listener, are you? And also, I mean, I notice that when you walk in there, the lights dim. They go. It's like Nick Abbott. Nick Abbott will sit there in total darkness and have one of his tantrums, trying to get the. He'll wait, stand up, do an impression of a lighthouse and everything, trying to get the lights back on again. Because I think it's quite funny actually that they've got lights in this day and age. That if you, if I didn't move for a period of time, these lights would turn themselves off. But so far, surprisingly, it's never ever. Happened. Never, ever happened. Also, the one uh, the theme running through the programme today is don't believe everything you read in the newspapers. Don't believe everything you read in the newspapers because there's a chance they might have turned it around. Uh, what else we got? Bromances are good for men. I don't know what a bromance is. Oh, bromance. Bromance. Yes, I know what bromances are. Bromances are very good for men, so that's quite nice. Uh, and also, keep taking your statins. Doctors are urging millions of patients. Keep taking your statins. Um, and also, the um, the other story, of course, is Diane Abbott, the disaster on LBC yesterday, which has gone viral. And uh, it's good, all good stuff, as far as I'm concerned. All good stuff for us. Fern McCann... Too scared to leave the house, sits in the corner crying. I can't quite work out why. She's pregnant, you know, with a, a naughty boy. In fact, it could be an understatement. But I don't understand why she's afraid to leave the house. What's that, you know, what, what, what is that? What is that? I don't, I don't understand. Not nothing to do with her. Nothing at all. She went out with somebody. Now she's not going out with somebody. Why would she be afraid to leave the house? Barbara Windsor tells the secret of why she never had any kids. And the final resting place for somebody's ashes is a car park. We've all got that, haven't we? I thought that would make a good, a good phone-in topic. Together with what's your favourite biscuit and what's your favourite smell and your favourite sweet. You know, which I've heard time and time again. But, you know, what would be your... Fa- where would you like your ashes scattered? I quite like the idea of being in an egg timer, so at least you keep them working, even after they've passed on. Yes, it'll be it'll be on BBC Local Radio. So somebody be listening from BBC Local Radio, and they'll be going, do you know what a brilliant idea? Where would you like your ashes scattered? Because this bloke's going to be scattered in the car park. Obviously for not very long, because, you know, it's like, so people will be driving over them. Oh, it'll be a nightmare. Absolute nightmare. So I always said I wanted my ashes scattered from Richmond Bridge with one of my ex-producers, Giles, who would sort of just stand there and then sort of open up the thing and then just sort of, you know, into the water or whatever. I don't know why. Everybody's got different ideas, because I am being cremated, believe you me. I certainly don't want to be uh, buried, thank you very much indeed. Just in case they've made a mistake. I always worry about things like that. Just suppose the, the Victorians had the right idea. They had coffins, and if you, were, if you were rich, you had a coffin with a bell on the top and a piece of string that went down into the box. And if you kind of woke up, you could ring the bell. 
wouldn't make uh, any difference, would it, of course, if they'd started filling in the grave. But that's what they had. If you, if you were rich, you could have that. Because there have been cases of people who've been in mortuaries and they've come back to life again, freaking out the people who work in there. A little bit worrying, isn't it, really? Um, the acne drugs. If you do suffer from acne, I know exactly how you feel because I had a friend of mine who really used to get very low, very, very low indeed on acne, because it just seemed to keep going. It was just, it never seemed to stop, I'm afraid, and it's an awful thing. I mean, when, you know, when we're all young, we all get one or two spots, but acne is quite serious. You know, it, it, it really is a serious thing. Uh, David Beckham turns 42, and they want the entire world to know, and so they've got pictures of presents, you know, at the back of, uh, back of David, all in the same paper, so they obviously got a job lot or something. Uh, or somebody brought round fake presents. You know, like people put fake presents under the Christmas tree. Well, this is fake presents for David Beckham, I think. Because I don't know what you'd buy him. Excuse me. I mean, what would you buy David Beckham? The man who's got everything. I, re- I mean, I just can't think of anything. I don't know what you would buy for him. They've got the perfect family. They've got loads of money. Brooklyn's collected another parking ticket. But uh, what would you buy David Beckham? The man who has everything. I don't know. Uh, the other story is the uh, the pill that could get you fit without leaving the sofa. But, I mean, that's, that's just ridiculous. Because if you're sort of overweight and carrying a bit of weight, what's, what's the pill going to do? Is it going to sort of, you know, shrink your, your body or sort of get rid of the fat or melt the fat away? I don't know. But I do know that between now and the hour of seven o'clock, we'll be telling you the answers to all of these stories this morning, including the zombies on Spice. Uh, taking over the north. Uh, gangs are now lacing drinks. This is people just slumped over. We've already had one death. I suspect that'll just be the tip of the iceberg because, you know, as in cases uh, like this where people will happily put anything into their body, I think really something like spice, which is cheap enough, people will put in and so people will cut it down with rat poison or whatever it happens to be and somebody will die as a result, which we've already seen. I think it's the beginning of the end. And also, quids on the skids. Yes, some of the uh, the pound coins have sort of turned out a little bit bizarre. They could be worth money. Or failing that, somebody with a machine is uh, is actually, you know, turning these things out, which is quite good. Barbara Windsor, the secret of why she never had kids, is with the sun this morning. And uh, Tandy wows at the Met Ball. Isn't Tandy Newton, wasn't she in that latest blockbuster? Or the, hasn't she just been killed off in, hasn't she? Oh, God, I'm not sure whether I should have said that. Not sure whether I should have said that. Now, she has been killed off, hasn't she? She's in that uh, line of duty. It's finished. So I'm sure she's been killed off. I, but I, I don't watch the program. Sorry if I've just done a spoiler for those of you who haven't seen it. Yeah, if you were waiting to see it, well, <laughs> grow up, get over yourselves, because uh, she's she's killed off. I'm pretty certain. So line of beauty, line of duty. Let's have a quick look here. She joins the cast of the hit BBC drama. I don't know anything about her actually. I really don't. But she's rocking uh, red sequins. The hat's ridiculous. Absolutely. Some people wear hats. Some people don't. And um, and that's it. I don't. She's she was brought up in Cornwall. Apparently, it's an odd place to be brought up. Isn't it? You never think about that. I never think about. You know, I always think you know people are brought up in sort of Cheshire or. You know, Huntingdon or something like that. But she's very elegant. But she's riveting. But I think she's been killed off. Oh, well. That's another one ruined. You wait till I start telling you about Wimbledon. Oh, blimey. Don't know where to begin with that one. (laughs) I'm going to tell you who's actually going to win this year. I'm going to make a prediction. Because now you know that the amount of prize money has gone up to two million quid per person. So that's about four million quid. Shows how much money, isn't it, is floating around in in sports nowadays. Never used to be in the early days. Never used to be. But now there is loads and loads. Uh, What have we got here? The good 
the Good God, the Baird and the Lovely. I think they're all people at the Met Ball. Uh, Serena Williams, Lily James, Cara Delevingne. What does she go there for? What's she got to do with it? I mean, I don't know what the Met Ball is for, really. Uh, Kendall Jenner. I mean, you know, some of these outfits, it really, it's, it's just trash, but very expensive trash. Uh, Bella Hadid. Love the, uh, love the sort of I'm a model pose kind of thing, which is very funny. Uh, also, Rihanna, who turned up looking like an unmade parcel. Uh, Rita Ora, again, you know, so-so. Tandy Newton and uh, Madonna, who turned up wearing a sort of a camouflage dress. Very dated, dear, very dated, but never mind. I'm sure it goes with a, a woman of your age. It's fine, isn't it? Because if you're Madonna, you can wear anything. You can wear a bin liner. And uh, people go, God, she looks amazing, doesn't she? Whereas I would look ridiculous in a bin liner. I'm one of those sort of people, bin liners don't suit me. You know, they would suit certain people around here. You know, like some people can wear certain... I wonder what people wear when they when they go out. You know, yeah, I don't... I don't it's a new jumper, is it? Those Primark vouchers are marvellous, aren't they? Now he's got a handful of those, I tell you. You're very lucky. You're very lucky you can fit into that charity uh, shop stuff. Because sometimes it doesn't actually fit most people. Ah, ha, 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 ha. Oh, can't hear you now. Yes, you can. <laughs> the Australian producer. He always, he always, I put my headphones on. I can't hear Steve. I can't hear what he's saying about me. Yes, you can. Yes, you can. You can hear just about everything. Bless his heart. Oh, quick time check. I'm trying desperately to, uh, to get the time check because people complain. You know, she wasn't uh, she wasn't killed off. She was arrested. Oh, yeah. Oh, well, there you go. Oh, sorry. She was, no, I shouldn't have said she was arrested. Should have left it as being killed off. But I haven't seen it, so it doesn't make any difference. Why do people get funny about things like that? A friend of mine, she said, I'm not turning on the computer today. I said, why? She said, because uh, there's a programme she's watching. She said, and I don't want to know what happens. I think, good God in heaven. Luckily, there's no law about it. There's no law about, you know, telling somebody what happens at the end of, um, at the end of Bambi. Or, you know, um, uh, or the Titanic. I mean, God forbid you should actually say that the blowing thing sunk. You know, that would be a nightmare, wouldn't it? But it's funny, isn't it? People say, don't tell me what happens. Don't tell me what I also am the same. But I'm sure by now everybody's been watching Line of Duty. If you haven't, she gets arrested. All right, that's what I meant to do now. You're listening to a podcast from LBC. I'll do it for you. I'll post your stuff for you. No, seriously, I'm like that. Because I- I've lost stuff before. Oh. Are you supposed to lick the... Are you one of these people, ladies and gentlemen? You know when you, you do something in an envelope and you sort of get... And you lick the envelope. And you sort of think, oh, that glue tastes vile. Have you ever discovered what it is? Horse. That would be horse that would be ground down to make glue. Or fish. Something like that. I don't like doing anything like that. It's like stamps. I haven't licked a stamp for ages. I've got those self-adhesive stamps. You haven't licked one either. I know, it's odd, isn't it, really? But uh, I buy the little books of stamps where you just take it out there and it's already got a sticky bottom. And you put it on there and then it stays there. One of these days it'll just drop off, won't it, I suppose, really? But uh, I haven't uh, a stamp for ages and ages. And I can't do it, I can't bear the taste of it, to be honest with you. It's not very nice. So I use sellotape. I've got uh, an electronic sellotape dispenser, uh, which I love, and you push a button on the top and it dispenses the amount of tape you want. If you want six inches, it'll give you six inches. If you want nine inches, it'll give you nine inches, and so on. You can have whatever length you want out of the dispenser. Another break? No, I don't think so. No, and so, um, <laughs> anyway, back in the room. The mint with the hole. Apparently your pound coins are falling apart. See, I told you. I said, I, what did I say to you ages ago? People keep writing into me. I had a couple yesterday, again, people, you know, you know, talking about the opening of the pound coins. Many of you have managed it. 
Um, thank you for that. But many of you can't can't work it out at all. But uh, they, they've got some with a melty middle. Um, they've got uh, one where the uh, the bit falls out of the middle. I think that's been cut out. I would honestly say that's been cut out. I don't believe it. I really don't. Hang on, wait a minute. I d- the other day, have you noticed these? Uh, sorry, these pound coins are getting more more in your change now. They didn't used to be. They were sort of coming in slowly. There you go. And I've got two. Two at the moment. Oh, there you go. Let's see if we can do these ones. And there you go. Even easier on that one. That one's obviously somebody's opened it up before. And it just happens. They love it. Aren't they, aren't they pretty, though? They think the new point... What? God. Yeah. They do open. Yes, they do open. God, even having to convince the Australian producer. Are you mad or something? You've seen me do it on the programme before. I did it um, when you used to work on the programme. I did it a couple of times. Oh, bless him. That's what I like about that. I love... You're only, I know. But I'm just, it's nice, though, that, you know, people... And also, have you noticed the, the new 50 pence pieces? I can't recognise the designs on half of them. I don't know what they are. I keep looking at this sort of money. i tell you what we need to get rid of. Pennies and 5p pieces. Who wants pennies and 5p pieces? We just don't, do we? It's just ridiculous. We don't need it. And 2p's. Can't we round stuff up or do, do round it down or do, do whatever we do with it? So they've got all these coins, bits falling out of them, and, you know, people go, well, you know, that means it's worth more money. If you actually sort of end up with a with a, a coin where it's been... If, if it's genuine, as opposed to it's been cut, and they will know if it's been cut, then um, they uh, the, you, know, you can make money on eBay from them. Yeah, put that in the post box. There's a post box just over the road, actually, just by the Garrick Theatre. Yeah, just by the Garrick Theatre, there's a post box there. They never collect from it. We can go and use it. And also, there's the other post office around by Pret-a-Manger, the Trafalgar Square post office. You have to step over the people sleeping in the doorway, but that's all right. It's, you, you just sort of step over them and you put the uh, the thing in there. Uh, Meghan Markle, as I say, not been ages since we've seen her in the uh, in the papers. And so here she is. She could be plucking up courage to win over the royal family with her signature roast chicken. I mean, I ask you, how desperate do you have to be for a story? And um, this is by Ali Farrell, or Farrell, senior bizarre reporter. In other words, you can just say anything about Meghan Markle. Nobody's going to confirm or deny it, are they, really? And... Uh, Yes, if she's senior, what, what's... Oh, Dan, Dan Wooten is God, apparently. In fact, now, all those all stories that appear in private eye about, about, about little old Dan Wooten, who looks like he's had most of it... I mean, he needs, the trauma is he really needs liposuction, but, I mean, who's going to tell him? Somebody will. Uh, the American actress who's dating Prince Harry championed her cooking skills in an interview with Good Housekeeping magazine. God, blimey. She's going for the real upmarket. Can you imagine Harry does an interview with Good Housekeeping magazine? Anyway, Meghan's been dating Harry since last summer and stayed with him several times. Oh, but she has. Oh, but she has. She's been staying with him all right. And so apparently, she says, I used to be a calligrapher. I think handwritten notes are a lost art form. The idea of somebody taking the time to put pen to paper is really special. It's also terribly tedious, do you? you need to bring yourself into the modern age. And um, posing for pictures with a photographer... She says the key is to have your own point of view attached to it. This is her fashion sense. And so they've done a thing in Good Housekeeping magazine with her. You know, you'd have thought Vogue. 
Something like that. Not good housekeeping. Don't don't get me wrong. I used to use good housekeeping on this programme. <coughs> a lot of their contributors were fantastic. Uh, Harry will visit Singapore next month to stage a polo match. Not exactly tough, is it, really? It's, it's really... So he's going to Singapore to stage a polo match, and that, that's it. It's such a hard job, isn't it, really? Doesn't really help, does it? I think Prince Charles works harder. But um, he'll also go to Sydney, Australia, which is hosting his Invictus Games in 2018. It's not really difficult, is it? He's sort of, I mean, you know, he's, he's got enough time to go out and, uh, and sort her out and uh, perhaps enjoy her roast chicken. Roast chicken. I just can't believe that the Queen will ever go, what is it? It's, it's chicken, Grandma. Chicken? What? As in cluck cluck. Oh, and Megan's cooked it, has she? Lovely. Well done, Megan. <laughs> what would you buy David Beckham, says Ken in Odderston. How about a personality? Oh, he's all right, Dave. He's not the brightest penny in the box, but that doesn't matter, does it? That's why everybody looks at him and goes, Cool, wish I looked like him. My Auntie Enid said it. I said, well, one day, darling, you might, actually. Uh, I'm one of your unattractive regular 4AM Spike listeners. I promise to remove my bin bag attire and brush my hair for your show tomorrow. But right now I'm glued to the radio listening this morning. I, only, I mean, there's no point in trying to make yourself glamorous for this programme. You're either glamorous or you're not glamorous. If you're not glamorous, you can't do anything about it. Uh, new drama series marking the 80th birthday of Barbara Windsor. I mean, she looks fantastic. Seriously, 80. Bright, bubbly little thing. Right, bubbly little thing. And I shall be seeing her and, uh, and Scott in about a week's time, actually. Got so many things to do. Got to go and see 42nd Street. Uh, go for, for Barbara's thing. And then, uh, then I've got to do the, um, the injection thing to try and speed up the heart. Not much fun, is it, really? Uh, so, and, and I'm seeing James O'Brien on Thursday. Oh, nice, isn't it? I was talking about him on the phone to a friend of mine the other day, actually. Um... There's nothing else. We were just talking about him. It just sort of came up in conversation. Steve, I want to have my ashes spread over the A406, seeing as I spend most of my night on it. Also, I have to work nights. I'm almost as good-looking as you, says Big Chris. Yeah. Well, what do you think I'm on radio for? That's why I'm on radio, isn't it? I'm on radio because, you know, I'm not a male model. I bumped into one of the other presenters from another station, uh, whose name I can't remember now. And I remember thinking... Everybody's so young in the business. There's lots of young people in the business now. It's a young person's business. You know, sort of thing. When you get to sort of 35, 40, you're, you're practically sort of old in the business, except on LBC, where you're practically coming in to your, uh, into your time, because that's what it is, because with, with age comes experience. Uh, Kevin Luton was said, uh, are you looking forward to the Barbara Windsor drama? I shall watch it, of course, as, as you do. Uh, Noreen... Says, we're off to yet another concert. Wednesday evening, Solid Silver, Dave Berry, Wayne Fontana, Chris Montez, Vanity Fair and the Mersey Beats. And on Friday, one of your favourites, the Counterfeit Stones. Wow. The Counterfeit Stones. How lovely. I think they're, they're great, actually. Uh, and then she's gone, not seen them before. We've seen the Bootleg Beatles lots of times. Oh, you'll love the Counterfeit Stones. They're so good. These, these tribute bands are excellent. You know that the one about uh, Pink Floyd which is Think Floyd, and uh, they were delighted to hear the drummer, Nick Mason, saying that he liked them. They were, they were, they were thrilled with that. that. That doesn't come any better than you're a tribute band to a, a band that's sort of, sort of there. It's just people aren't speaking to people and things like that. But, I mean, you get that in every sort of job. And, um, and they, they were very excited. In fact, my producer, Mark, is going to go and see them. And uh, he sent them a little clip, and I think they heard it as well, 
of Nick Mason talking about them, which is which is always quite an endorsement, isn't it? When somebody, you know, who you're watching portraying you on stage and they, they're coming up with sort of the uh, the sound. <coughs> and that's what it's about. If, you, if you're a tribute band, you've got to sound like the original. There's no point in sounding like somebody else. So that's why Counterfeit Stones, Bootleg Beetle, fantastic. I mean, really good. It's, it's really well thought out. And I, I think there's quite a number of them, and they tour about. There's no end of ABBA tribute bands. No end of them. Some of them even appear on Britain's Got Talent. And then don't tell you about it, because otherwise that would be sort of, you know, not being totally truthful about... Um, about uh, where you're coming from. So don't forget, the theme this morning is don't believe everything you read in the newspapers. There is a chance that uh, on the very odd occasion, one in a million, that they might have actually, believe it or not, in a newspaper, actually turned a story round to make it sound a bit more interesting. Uh, In which case it then embarrasses people, as I discovered yesterday. So uh, we'll talk about that a bit later on. You're listening to a podcast from LBC. Morning, everybody. Nice to have your company. Iceberg Alert. Iceberg Alert. Where... In Antarctica, 2,000 square metres of the Larsen Sea Antarctic Shelf is hanging by a thread after a crack expanded to 110 miles. <laughs> My God. When it breaks off, it'll be the biggest iceberg recorded. They've monitored it for three years. They say just 12 miles of ice still connects it. The rift, says Professor Adrian Luckman has been steadily widening. Um, when it uh, carves, it will fundamentally change the landscape of the Antarctic. So it's enormous. It's the size of whales. The size of whales. I mean, <laughs> when they say whales, I think they mean the country as opposed to, you know, things under the ocean. But uh, they're amazing, huge. And the, the gap is 110 miles long. I love things like that. I'm always intrigued by the ice, which apparently is getting smaller every year. This appears to be getting bigger every year, doesn't it? I like stuff like that. I don't want to go there. I'm, I'm more than happy to uh, to just sort of watch it on, on the television. I, d- I really don't want to go there. It's the only place I've never really wanted to go. I like the idea. I know that you, you can book holidays and you can cruise around Antarctica and you can do all the usual kind of things. And it's lovely. People like watching polar bears and stuff like that and seals and, and everybody else. But it's it just never appealed to me. Anywhere that's freezing cold, no thank you. Unless you go up on deck and you've got, you're wrapped up and then you go back to your nice cosy cabin. That'll be like, imagine if the heating failed though. <laughs> Blimey, on a ship. You'd be curled up in bed, wouldn't you, with the duvet on and everything else. It's the only way to do it. The only way to do it. Uh, the good news this morning is that Trump is apparently talking to Putin about North Korea. They think they can so they can work together. I think that's the best news I've heard in ages because I get so worried just in case it all goes a wee bit pear-shaped. But I think if uh, if Trump is actually going to be talking to uh, to Putin, then uh, they might be able to uh, to sort things out. Well, I hope so, anyway. I mean, you would, you would hope that they would, wouldn't they? The old pound coins were fine. The Royal Mint and the government are money wasters, says L at Suffolk. No, we had... No, 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 no. We had to change them. And you know why they had to change them? Because they were being uh, fraudulently produced. I think they said one in four coins, wasn't it? Of the old pound coins. Notice the difference in noise there. Completely different noise. So, old pound coin... New pound coin. Completely different. Amazing, isn't it, really? And um, and it's to stop forgery, because they've got a little hologram on there. I've never seen the middle fall out. I really haven't. I'm looking at it now, and I don't know how they're made. So I'm pushing the middle out. If I can... It'd be so funny if I pushed it and the middle fell out. But, um, yeah. Um, and that, the reason is, is they're, they're stopping fraud. 
so you have to stop fraud. And that's why we ended up changing the £5 notes, uh, because I think they're now not legal tender. This this coming Friday. So if you've got any and you've saved them up, ladies and gentlemen, you might have saved them for Christmas or birthdays or you might have a jar in the kitchen or something, you know, where you've saved these old... Get rid of the old fivers, OK? Go and take them into the bank. They don't have to change them, apparently. But whatever it is, you don't want them, OK? They cease to be legal tender on Friday. So uh, just just be warned. And then I think the uh, the pounds go out a bit later in the year, October. So just be aware that you might go out there and they go, no. And I know that there's going to be people arguing in places going, well, it was, I think somebody at McDonald's the other day refused to take an old fiver because the staff had not been informed when uh, it was uh, it was actually coming to an end. But then I love the new ones. I don't know why anybody doesn't love the new fivers. I think they're brilliant. They don't seem to crease. Have you noticed? They don't seem to crease. They actually seem, you know, really quite uh, quite nice. This murdered millionaire called Guy Hedges... They say he may have been killed by drug addicts from a drop-in centre where his husband volunteered. Uh, Simon Pierre Hedges Cooper uh, spent years supporting homeless youngsters. He watched in horror as a guy was uh, shot down when two masked intruders... You see, I would have thought, actually... See, this is odd. So two masked intruders break into somebody's house. They shoot dead one person, but don't shoot the other person. Why, I mean, if, you, if you're breaking in, would you not shoot both people? Why would you just shoot one person? Anyway, he's very traumatised by the whole thing. I think if people turn up and they're, they're balaclavered up and everything else, they are known to the people. I think these people are known to the, to the guys. But it's odd that they, they would only shoot one and not shoot the other one. They say it's uh, a source said of the charity, the vast majority who use this centre are just desperate people who've fallen on tough times. Yeah, they'd be druggies. There'll be people who are reliant on drugs, people who are very reliant on uh, on some sort of medication. I was speaking to somebody the other day who said that the amount of um, drug taking has actually gone up. It's increased. They're now, you know, supplying um, the drug that they give people to get them off the main drugs. And uh, and the, the amount of people doing that has increased. It frightened the life out of me. I don't like doing anything at all. Uh, what have we got here? Oh, this is... I did like this from, from Jane Moore. I have to read it to you because it's actually quite good. Uh, it says, Strictly Bosses are close to naming Len Goodman's replacement with complete natural Shirley Ballas, the rumoured front runner. Britt Shirley is a former dance pro and was a trainer on the US version of the show. Married twice, she divorced her second husband, Corky, also a dancer, after he waltzed off with a younger woman when he was teaching back in 2003. The pupil, guess who it was? The pupil was Christina Rianoff, <laughs> who comes with history, as we all know. Uh, so, there's Vincent Simone, who Christina claimed she thought was single, but in fact had a pregnant girlfriend. Next was boxer Joe Calzaki, who, after being partnered with her on Strictly, split up with his girlfriend of five years. Then former rugby star Ben Cohen, who she claims was single when they finally got together, a version of events disputed by his now ex-wife Abby. And now there's Corky, the forerunner to them all. The men are as much to blame, if not more so. But Christina's repeated assertion that she's been unfairly criticised over her private life is starting to look as hollow as the Strictly Glitterball trophy. Yes, I mean, I think she was just desperate to get uh, pregnant. And that was it. So Shirley is this British ballroom, Latin, dancer, teacher. 
And uh, so she's been married once. She's the, the Queen of Latin. Well, that's the nickname for her. Other people have got other nicknames for her, but that's the one that's apparently on, on record. Uh, she's got one, one child called Mark. She's been married to Sammy Stopford, who she was married to for um, four years. And then Corky Ballas, uh, who she married in 1985, and that, uh, that finished in 2007. But uh, the one name that links them all is Christina Rianoff. I did say ages ago. I don't know why people didn't uh, believe me at the time. Watch her. She's got history. She's got history because um, she was desperate to have a child. Desperate to have a child. And I think that most men were going, uh, not with me, you're not. And then all of a sudden she gets old Cohen, and now apparently it's all gone a bit pear-shaped. So um, there you go. Is that is that Corky? That's Mark. Oh, that's the son, is it? Right. Does he dance? Is he another dancer? Something. Look about dancers. I love dancers. I'm big into dancers. I think dancers are great. I think they uh, they get a rough deal. Dancers. They never get paid as much money as they should be paid. But uh, he's sort of. Oh, is that him there? He's obviously in in Greece or something like that. But. Um, yeah. Oh, God, he's got tattoos up his arm. Oh, sorry. No, no, no. Got to go. Got to go, dear. No, sorry. Oh, and on the other arm, he's got tattoos. Really, honestly. By the time you're old, you know, it's going to look absolutely terrible. All these people, they don't think, do they? They just think, oh, I'll have tattoos done because it's sort of, it's a bit tribal. Um, uh, also, little Julie says, I'm seeing the ACDC tribute band who are called Dirty DC next month. I forget which other ones I've seen. I've, I worked the uh, Middlesex show one year and we had a Simon and Garfunkel tribute band. Oh, 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 wait for this one. This was even funnier. So I'm comparing on the stage doing, you know, the bits and pieces with uh, Simon Bates. And uh, we have the ABBA tribute band on. And uh, so they, they go through there, you know, Mamma Mia, here I go again. And so I'm backstage. After they, they come off, somebody had said to me, can you get me their autograph? And I said, yeah. So I went into their uh, tent and I said, oh, could you sign this for a fan? So they started signing it, and their manager comes over and says, what are you doing? I said, I'm getting an autograph for some people outside. He said, uh, no, you're not. You have to ask permission before you do things like that. A most peculiar man. most peculiar man. I thought, like, it's only a tribute band, dear. You're not really ABBA. <laughs> I've never really... Oh, seriously, I was, I was sort of quite taken aback by it, but I said, OK, fine. It was the last time I introduced them ever on stage. <laughs> We're not going to waste our time with them at all. But there's loads of these tribute bands out there, and they're good. But I think there's more of ABBA than anything else. Fabba, uh, ABBA, ABBA, Dabba, Do, or whatever. I don't know, there's loads of them. Um, oh, look, Dan Wooten might be actually doing some work for a change. He loves appearing on television, honestly. A man who so loves himself, he passes a mirror and licks the reflection. But he's got um, a brilliant new podcast, Bizarre Life where he'll tell you what all his little team have done for him. Because there's loads in the team. Loads. There's Stuart Pink, Ali Farrell, Nicola Fahey, Daniel Sperling and Howell Davis. I wonder which one's going out with Dan Wooten. That's always the interesting thing, isn't it? You're always trying to work these things out. But um, Mariah Carey's in the column today. In the second bit of the bizarre column, it's just a press release show. They just seem to print press releases. I don't quite see the point of that, but there you go. I'm sure it works for some people. And sort of people like the showbiz gossip, don't they? And they always pretend that they're really... They've, they've, they've got these... So every year, they always print... Uh, the stars have, have sent me a... Um, you know, their Christmas card. This is Niall Horan's Christmas card. So Niall Horan, who's not talking to his brother or anybody else and whose musical career is on hold, which is good news, I think, for music lovers everywhere. And uh, and somebody says, uh, we had uh, the middle pop out of one of the old pound coins, not right through leaving a, a polo, just left a, an ashtray shape. Uh, must have been a counterfeit coin. 
Probably. I don't know. Say it's one in four, isn't it? And I can't remember how you find out uh, which ones are uh, uh, which ones are fake. I'm sure there must be something for it. Perhaps it's the writing on the outside. Perhaps it, I think they should put on it fake. But because there's so many of them, they just leave them in circulation. There's no point in, you know, whereas if it's a fiver or a tenner, people take it out of circulation. Well, that's what you're supposed to do. But the people I know just give it to somebody in their change to get rid of it. Because I've had people check the other day. Somebody checked. I gave 60 quid to, uh, to a coffee shop and she checked every one of my notes. No, not only that, she put the pen across it. Then she held it up to the light. I felt like saying, what are you looking for? What are you looking for, dear? Listen, if you put the pen over it, that means it's not counterfeit. And also, you can tell the counterfeit ones. They look like they're in the wrong... You can feel it. It's like £50 notes. They get panicky over a £50 note. Excuse me, over here. And they put their hand up. You have to get a supervisor over to check the £50 note. You think, but you just run your thumb over it. You can tell if it's a fake, but... They have to get it checked because they don't want to take a fake note in and all that kind of stuff. I shouldn't imagine there's that many fake £50 notes. There's, there's sort of fake coins and there are fake notes, but you can spot them. You don't even need to put them under the light. But it was when she did the pen and then held it up to the light. I felt like saying, what are you looking for? I mean, at the moment, is there nothing? Oh, fake coins, fake notes, fake news, fake medicine. In South Africa, huge fake medicine market looks identical to the real thing but it's just the placebo effect and people spend good money on on basically sugar pills because they think they're buying the medicine it's not i mean it's a huge market it's worth hundreds of millions millions of pounds every year the fake medicine market and you can get fake anything wasn't there a pop-up shop in china it was a fake apple shop everything was fake in it all the phones were fake the chargers were fake You know, you've got to be very careful. If you buy, you know, chargers from some of these little spring-up pop-up shops, there's a very good chance you might blow your hands off. So be very careful. If you're going to buy something, you buy the proper thing. But the reason you won't is because you think you can can save money. But in the end, you know, (laughs) a fool and his body are very soon parted. There's a picture today in one of the papers, in fact, it's in quite a few of the papers, of a bloke who is a photographer. And he was taking a picture of some army boys and... Something exploded right in front of him. It killed him instantly. Killed him instantly. And um, Hilda Clayton, uh, 22, died with a fellow snapper and the two Afghan soldiers in the image. And um, so, so, in other words, a mortar exploded just literally where they were. You can see the, the, the picture of the mortar exploding right in the middle. So she was taken out immediately and the other two... Uh, died. A third Afghan soldier was also killed, taking the toll to five. But, uh, apparently, Tragic Hilda's unit has since renamed its annual Best Photo Competition after her. Riveting, just as you're sort of watching that moment that she died with a fellow snapper and the two Afghan soldiers in the image. So her, her family in Augusta, Georgia, asked the top brass to release the image in tribute to her, because you see them literally at the moment of contact. You know, they're both going to die because these uh, these mortar... I mean, why anybody want to go into the army? I don't know, but thank God they do. Thank God. It's like nursing, isn't it? Nursing. There are fake celebrities. So it's, exactly. Anybody who's been on a reality show is a fake celebrity. They're not... They're not celeb- and in fact, if you remember, um, was it uh, Chantel? She was a fake celebrity in the Big Brother house. They, they had to pretend uh, that she was in a, in a pop group. And of course, Chantel being as dim as she was... You know, so, yeah, because I'm like celebrity kind of thing. And, and they bought into it because they didn't know. Whereas I'd have gone, no, you're not. And she won. 
She won it, didn't she? I mean, and then she married that little, that funny little bloke from that little band. Was it Little Preston? Actually, that Preston was his surname. His first name was Samuel. Uh, but he didn't want... So he, people just called him Preston, which seems a bit stupid, doesn't it? It's like calling him, I don't know, boring man. That's the... Yes, yes, exactly. I don't understand. Do you remember seeing him walk off the Simon Amstel show? Where Simon started reading clips out of... Never mind the buzzcock. Simon was reading clips out of Chantel's book. And Preston sat there... And he was obviously not very happy. He was obviously a miserable person. Luckily, he's disappeared completely now. Nobody knows where he's gone to or cares. But he uh, he he sort of reacted very badly to Simon Anstel reading this uh, this thing out. And in the end, he just got up. And Simon went, oh, don't leave. I've got some other bits to read out for you. <laughs> but it worked a treat. It it had exactly the desired effect. He he got up and had a, had a tantrum and walked off the set. He took his microphone. They all do this. Mm, take him a microphone off kind of thing. And we all went, oh, that's good television. We like stuff like that. But uh, you're right, there are loads of fake celebrities. Any, as I say, anybody who's on a reality show uh, is, is a fake celebrity. But the trouble is, they think they're celebrities. That's the problem. And you have to try and sort of say, you're not really. You know, it's like Fern McCann. You're not a celebrity, dear. You're just a presenter occasionally. You know, that's all you are. Somebody who was on a television programme, you didn't really contribute a great deal to it because there was lots of infighting on TOWIE. It still is. I think there's another scene coming up with uh, with Chloe Sims, who's arguing with somebody. And you think to yourself, you know, they go on there because they, they think this is their sort of moment. So they trowel on the makeup. They sort of then, all of a sudden, they magically go from, you know, ace nobody on the programme to fashion designer. You know, I've designed a, a, a range of swimwear. No, you haven't. Don't be so stupid. Somebody's done it for you and said, do you like this colour? Do you like that colour? Yeah, and we'll call it your collection, shall we? And they go, yeah, that'll do. And you make a percentage on... You know, you'll do an advert for it. I don't seriously don't believe any of them could draw and actually come up with something. They're just they're just not bright enough. These people, but uh, but they they think they're celebrities, whereas I think a celebrity is somebody who's proved themselves, somebody who can do something. You can either sing or you can play an instrument. Uh, you can do something, not just sort of appear on a programme or have sex on the television. I mean, that's just embarrassing, isn't it? For that poor creature who had sex on television, uh, which was on the beach. That was Zara Holland. What a tragic case. I thought that was, the, you know, that was just the saddest thing ever. I thought to myself, you're never, ever going to get out of that one. Nobody's ever going to treat you seriously. It's like the other day they were saying, was it George Sampson? Uh, who spends a lot of time doing breakdancing, but he's getting on a bit now for it. And he's losing his hair. And so he's had a hair transplant. And I thought, so you still won't be able to spin around because it'll come out even quicker with a hair transplant. You know, just have to accept the fact, because he's only 20, whatever he is. And he said, you know, I I don't want to go bald. And you think, but, you know, you're going to go bald unless you've got very strong hair, like sort of ginger or sort of something like, what else, what other colour? Black, black hair would be fairly strong. And then you go salt and pepper. But most people, if you're blonde, forget it. Because you're, and especially if you're a bloke and you've got blonde hair, it's going to go. It's going to go because it's the thinnest hair, it's the finest hair. And so that's why I don't have much hair. I keep it cut short deliberately because it's nothing worse than a comb-over or something like that. And I can't do comb-overs, so I don't do comb-overs. And, um, and you think to yourself, do men worry about losing their hair that much that they will consider spending thousands on a transplant? And the answer is yes, they will spend thousands on a transplant. Whereas, in fact, I remember when Paul Daniels ditched his his toupee, which he'd worn for years, it made all the news. I remember that distinctly, because for years he'd worn this uh, this uh, sort of toupee. Bruce Forsyth, the same. 
Bruce had a had a toupee which he wore, and people go, but it looks like a toupee. You know, nobody's going to worry about you losing your hair. The only person who's going to worry about it is the person who's losing their hair. And I, I worried about it to start with, and I thought, oh, to hell with it. Who cares? It doesn't make any difference. You know, somebody might go, oh, you haven't got much hair. But I don't. Nobody's ever said that to me. Why, why would people say that? Do I need to take a break? Am I that late for this break? That is really appalling. I'm so sorry, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, Ollie, you've missed your bus, OK? You're never going to make it in time. You're listening to a podcast from LBC. Morning, a pretty nice of your company. Seven minutes to five. It's Steve Allen's early breakfast on, uh, on LBC. Madeleine McCann. Um, the McCanns mark their uh, ten agonising years without their Maddie. How can the Portuguese police keep being so vile? Alison Phillips, in her column, has done it. They've had, um, <clears throat> excuse me, there were six things on the internet, six um, theories as to what happened to Madeline. And one of them was the one that I said, which was that she wandered out. Uh, she was attracted by bright lights. She knew her way down to where they were, but obviously being tired, she wandered out. I think she got hit by a car or a truck and, uh, and then taken away. Uh, some of the other theories were really quite bizarre. I mean, really quite bizarre, involving the McCanns, uh, who were chief suspect to start with, because they thought that uh, she died and they'd done away with her. They were both doctors. I don't know where they get... This is all from this this uh, policeman who is still claiming that uh, that uh, she was either given away to a family or she was... But then, as everybody's pointed out, in fact, through all of them, they've, sort of, they've dispensed with them and said, listen, it couldn't have been possible. Why would somebody want to adopt a child? They said she could have been targeted... You know, people saw her playing. But you think, but they've got two two-year-olds there. They could have taken them. Somebody said it was a burglar who had been disturbed. Well, what difference would that make? A burglar's not going to be worrying about a little tiny girl of three years old who's going to be going, I can identify you. She's half asleep, for goodness sake. I don't know. I mean, as I say, we've all, we've all guessed over the years. We've all tried to work it out, but we can't because we weren't there. And we don't know. And this police officer went on... Portuguese television, and he was saying he's still convinced. I think in his book he said uh, the McCanns did it, and that's why they went to court and uh, and tried to sue for libel, but they lost because he was entitled to an opinion, and all the stuff he'd put in the book was only stuff that they'd been doing on the case anyway. But ten years on, they're still being trolled. They're still being trolled by people. Ten years on. I mean, you, you wouldn't have thought people had the energy to just keep doing it. After a while, generally speaking, trolls who are a bit simple uh, just sort of give up and sort of go and find something else to do, like sort of pick daisies, make a daisy chain. Uh, and that's about all they've got. But they, they seem to like people who are in the, in the media. They seem to like people who, you know, get into the newspapers and that then makes them famous. And so people write, you know, I keep highlighting the case of that woman who wrote to the McCanns thousands of times, thousands of times, Brenda Leyland, and um, and she was then doorstopped, doorstepped by I think Sky News, Martin Brunt, their crime correspondent, to go. What are you doing? Because hardly ever do these people get brought to book. They really don't. They just get sort of a warning going. You mustn't write this anymore about them. So Harvey gets trolled. In fact, there's now a competition to see who can, uh, you know, out troll a troll. 
I know, ridiculous though it might seem, but these are people who have no life. It's not going to make any difference. Whatever uh, Katie Price says isn't going to make the slightest difference to anything because people are always going to do it. They will hide behind, you know, their mobile phones or email addresses that they've got via something else. It's, you know, it's it's ridiculous. But this particular woman, she sent thousands of abusive things to McCann's. She was obviously of the opinion that the McCann's were guilty as heck and uh, she was going to tell them about it like they hadn't heard it before. Like they hadn't heard it before. But uh, anyway, she was doorstepped. And uh, and then she killed herself because she couldn't handle the shame. And I thought, you know, in a way, it's kind of retribution, isn't it? It's kind of, you know, you've sent thousands of these hateful messages to somebody. And then you seem surprised when somebody turns up. What did you expect? Nobody was going to turn up on your doorstep and go, excuse me, why are you writing this? Why are you writing it? As as uh, as Kate McCann says, why people are still writing this all these years later is totally beyond her. And I can well imagine. It must be totally beyond most people. Most normal people wouldn't do it. But unfortunately, the people who write this stuff aren't normal. They've got one or two screws loose. But to write, thousands of things she wrote. But it's not the only one. Loads of people do it, don't they? They said, right, if you're in the papers, you're going to get trolled. If you're somebody who goes on television and you talk about your son or somebody with a disability or whatever, somebody's going to troll you. S- some of the stuff that even that we see here, I mean, seriously, these people are sick. These people are seriously sick. And that's why I, you know, I would love a television programme. Don't do something about finding your family. Let's go expose a troll. You know, that's the thing to do. That's my favourite. You know, I've often said, and um, I, I can't... Um, no, I can't tell you, actually, because it might actually happen... Um, Oh, I, I can't tell you. Uh, but it's, it's going to be very good. If it actually happens, it'll be very good indeed. But anyway, so I think we should have expose a troll. And you go out there and you, and you have somebody sitting in the studio and you go, right, uh, so today we've got four people for you to meet. And you go and you destroy their life. You turn up with a film crew, you know, like they do when they doorstep people. Oh, so could you tell us why you were cheating people? You know, I've got nothing to say to the press. Why were you ripping people off? Anyway, that's that's the usual sort of probe. But this one would be better because what you do is you find out where where they live, which is easily done. You get it from the from the computer server because there's only about four servers in this country, I think. So very easy to find somebody. And uh, then you have a look at all the things. If you think they're serious enough, then you go out with a film crew and you go out there and you do it in the early hours of the morning. Hello. Hello. Is that Mr. So-and-so? Hello. We're from... Name a troll or something like that, whatever the programme's going to be called. And um, they go, what? You've been writing vile uh, message? Not me. Not me. I don't write vile message. Well, you have. We know you have. Well, somebody else got access to your computer. Who would that be? And then you just expose them. And then you follow them to work. And you do it at work as well, because that's the only way to stop these people. Once you've actually named and shamed, you find they, they blub like girls, because they suddenly realise that their life is about to finish, because they'll be dropped from where they work. There'll be all sorts of problems that goes along with it. So I think it could be name and shame a troll, you know, because we found them in villages before now. People, perfectly respectable people, writing vile notes and putting them on people's cars and things like that. And you think, and it turns out it'll be sort of, you know, the village priest or something like that, or somebody who's very much respected. News coming up at five o'clock on LBC. The topless Kate pictures. Very painful because of Diana. William and Kate seek £1.3 million in damages. Not that they need the money. So I'm assuming it'll go into a, into a fund or something. I don't know. Uh, the pill that could get you fit without leaving the sofa. Diane Abbott's disaster making all the papers. Bromances are very good for men. Uh, the high street stores, female mannequins. They're all too thin. 
Yeah, you don't see any of them that are real, do you? They're all thin. Even for the blokes as well. Don't don't get me wrong. I've looked at the at the bloke and I look at my thing. Oh, I couldn't fit into that. Have you paid me? They're so thin. These people. Uh, cereal is tastier in a square bowl. And the farce of a pair who stand to inherit 25 grand that they stole from an OAP. You're listening to a podcast from LBC. Morning, everybody. I like the idea that the doctors have said you've got to keep taking your statins. Don't, because yesterday there was a story in the paper about uh, people not taking statins. And everybody was saying, no, you've got to, you've got to keep taking them and uh, don't stop taking them. Please don't stop taking them. Uh, also, uh, topless Kate pictures... You see, I'm I'm in two minds over the to- over the toddlers' pictures because I saw them. I didn't actively go and buy a magazine which showed them because I'm not really that interested in paparazzi pictures. I don't know, you know, what their commercial value. And it was published in France. It was never published here, but of course you could get hold of it on the internet. And um, and she was sunbathing in a private holiday resort. Uh, I think it was a castle. And the person who took the pictures was a woman uh, who was some way away, but managed to get. This picture, because I don't know if you've ever seen paparazzi when they operate, but some of the people trying to get good pictures and all the rest of it, the lenses are like four feet long. They're enormous. They go for miles. And so you can home in on it. She happened to be sunbathing topless. Um, I don't know whether there was staff in there. Anyway, the pictures then get published in this magazine. And that's when uh, when it all kicked off because they started to see the trouble is in France. They don't think there's anything the matter with going topless. They have topless beaches. They've had topless swimming pools for God knows how many years. They don't think it's abnormal. It's only us here as the Brits. We go, well, it's a bit rude, isn't it? You know, to sort of show a picture of somebody topless. But if you go to France, every beach in France is topless. You know, you kind of, you know, after you've sort of got over the the shock of it, because we're prudish, then you kind of don't even notice. In fact, the person you notice is the person with their top on, which uh, tends to be the tourists. So they didn't think it was anything particularly interesting. So they take the picture. The only interesting fact is not the fact she was topless, but because of who she is. That's why she had commercial values. They took the picture. Anyway, they've gone to court saying, you know, it was more painful because of uh, Diana, who was hounded by the paparazzi. But I think the argument will come back. If you don't know that you're being photographed, where is the... All right, so the the picture has come out. I suppose the argument could be, couldn't it, in these courts. I don't know how lenient the French courts are. I'm not sure how they work. I know that uh, uh, William's not gone over there. They've just made it clear through their lawyers that they they were distressed by it. Because you don't expect to open up you know, a newspaper to go, and there are topless pictures of Kate, and you go, what? It's like we've had sort of bottomless pictures of William, haven't we? Uh, when he was having a wee at, um, at a thing, and I think Harry as well had a wee or something. And people would take pictures of just about anything now because there is commercial value in them. And I suppose what they're going for is sort of, is the her, money never solves the problem. I've often said that. I've said, you know, people say, oh, I'm going for this month's compensation, and I've always said that uh, it doesn't make it better. It might ease the pain a little bit, but you don't sort of go, oh, I've got the money or anything like that. And, 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 and also, they don't need the money, do they? I mean, what, a million to them is nothing, I should imagine, uh, because they've, they've all got, you know, lots of money in the royal family. It's just, I think it's, um, it's, it's a test case. It's a test case to see just how intrusive paparazzi can be. You know, and how much you read these papers. But as I say, people abroad probably bought it and just went, so she's topless. Good heavens above, she's got, uh, you know, two breasts, as opposed to six or something like that. Anyway, yesterday I did a, I did a story out of, I think it was, the, um, it was the Daily Mail. And I was interested in the story because it talked about hot desking. And 
Uh, we'd hot-desked for years in all the radio stations I've ever worked at, this one. Uh, we hot-desk. In fact, I don't remember there was a time when we didn't hot-desk. And hot-desking is where you have an office with, say, ten desks in, but there's 30 staff. So if everybody turns up at the same time, you can't all sit down at a desk. So that's why it's shift work, so you hot-desk. So my desk is currently being used by... Actually, I don't know who it's being used by at the moment. I don't know. Um... Who is being used? I don't know, actually. But anyway, so... But it's not my desk. I just use the computer that happens to be sitting there. And uh, so I read this story, and it was about this lady called Rachel Bland, who works for the BBC. And uh, they were saying that she didn't want to uh, to hot desk. She had this thing about cleaning desks because of germs. And I didn't know anything about this story, apart from it was it was hot desking. And and the cleaning, and I said, everywhere, is actually... Because you have to sort of avoid germs. Now, the trouble is, because she's got... Uh, and is undergoing treatment for breast cancer, she spoke out about trying to avoid the germs and the hot-desking. Uh, she basically says, I'm waging a one-woman war on dirt and bacteria. I have to wipe down at least three desks a day as I hop from studio to studio, and I carry around my own set of headphones. So we talked about... You know, people here have got their own headphones, mainly because people wear them because they're lighter or they're better and all the rest of it. But the whole thing was to do with germs. I didn't realise that, you know, you have to do all these things. And I said, really, Rachel should have, you know, actually sort of said she wanted her own desk. And so she wrote in her blog, which is called Big C Little Me, work has become a whole new world of stress. Anyway, the person who then puts it together for the Daily Mail then sort of turns it around to make it appear, because I don't think the Daily Mail like the BBC. See, I, didn't, I didn't know that. I didn't know that certain papers were sort of anti the BBC and all the rest of it. I always think it's my BBC. I think I own it because I have to pay a licence fee. And, um, and so I was talking about the germ side of it, how just looking in here there are germs probably in here and if I wiped everything down I'd probably discover it. The difference is with, with, uh, with Rachel that she becomes ill if she gets with these germs which actually takes it to a different level and I did say Perhaps the work people, the people that, that, that employ her, should sort of set aside an area for her. Because if she's saying she's got to go to studio to studio and do all this sort of wiping down of things, this takes time. You know, she's got to be in a, in a sterile environment. I mean, I realise that some bacteria are probably very good, but uh, she's had a few aren't you thorough comments from people as she uh, manically wipes down the computer and the microphone. And she says, it's not me, it's the bloody cancer's fault because it makes her ill. She's been in for infections and all sorts of things like that. So uh, anyway, she didn't hear my programme yesterday, which was, which was a shame, really, because I, I had her back immediately. I thought, I know what it's like because we've had people here that I've worked with uh, who have been, you know, people who don't want to touch the microphones. They don't want to, uh, you know, in fact, people, you know, they bring their own headphones, but that's just a minor bit of it. They end up having to bring their own things in. They're frightened to touch things because of the germs. I knew one person wouldn't even touch a cup if the producer had brought it in and his hands had touched the cup as opposed to the handle and would make the, the person go back to go and, and get another cup of coffee. Seriously, it, becomes, it, it, it can become obsessive. In her case, it needs to be because she can't afford to get any more germs to add to the complications she's got. Anyway, uh, that's what we did yesterday. So, you know, I have to say to Rachel, um, you know, people have said, quite understand the piece. But the piece was very misleading in the Daily Mail. So, if, you know, if you were upset by it, I apologise. Just to sort of uh, to say, I can only go by, uh, by what 
what we read in the newspapers. That's why I said at the beginning of the programme, and I say it all the time, we shouldn't believe everything we read in the newspapers, but it was the hot desking thing that, that got me going. Because you don't know the person sitting at the desk. You don't know what their hygiene standards are. You don't know, you know, if they've washed their hands after they've been to the toilet. You don't know anything. That's it. You know, really, it gets to the stage where, you know, if you're worried about this, you have to avoid public transport. Holidays are a nightmare. How many times have we all been on holiday? And you look at it, you think, it's a bit dirty, this room. I remember I was talking to um, Adrian, who does our computer stuff, and he said he saw a cockroach. A cockroach. And I said, it's very funny because, you know, small cockroaches are fine. When we were in Hong Kong, we had huge cockroaches. I mean, literally the size of big Big, big cockroaches. Dreadful. But uh, but there are the, the problems. There are some germs that are good. But there are a lot of germs that aren't very good. So, But we had uh, we had Rachel's back on it all the way through. And it's just that what happens is somebody will then tell somebody, oh, somebody said this about you, not knowing the full facts and not understanding exactly what we were talking about. But it was, it was the hot desking and the germy thing, which I knew all about. But I didn't know about her problems of the germs because I don't read blogs. I don't read anybody's blogs. And so she's got big C, little me, dot co dot UK. That's what it is. That's her blog. And, uh, and she goes through it. Because there'll be many of you. She actually asked me. She said, do you know anything about this form of cancer? And of course I don't. I felt like writing back saying, do you want to know about my problems? You know, everybody's got medical problems. You know, and it's, it's a problem. Mine doesn't affect the way I work, though. Mine doesn't affect the way I work. But uh, I'd like to know what they're doing. Do they supply her with... They supplied her with headphones, but do they supply her with wipes and stuff like that? I would have thought that would have been, you know, normal. I would have thought it was normal. But anyway, hopefully that cleared that up. But we still hot desk and we still have to hot desk because, as I say, if, it's only when we come in for our, you know, this is how well you've done in the audience figures. Um, when you suddenly realise we've uh, we haven't got enough desks for everybody. In fact, the only person who appears to have spaces on his desk is the um, is the boss. But, of course, I couldn't go and sit there. And, by the way, Rachel, wish you all the best with your treatment as, uh, as well. It's getting there. It's getting there. You know, nobody likes hospitals. Believe you me, I'm the last person who likes a hospital. I'm the, I'm the one who sits there going, oh, God, make it go away. Make it happen. Make it uh, happen quickly. I just, I just don't like how there's a smell to do with hospitals. I trust them implicitly. I really do. Some people don't, don't trust hospitals, but I absolutely trust hospitals. You have to. Who else have you got to go by? Nothing else at all, have you? You can't sort of go by anybody else. If somebody says, it's like taking a car into a garage. They go, this is what you need. And you go, do I? And they go, yeah. If you don't have this done, you could leave it. That's what they always say to you. Have you noticed in garages, they say, well, of course, you could leave it. And, um, and you could, uh, you know, have a bigger problem at the end of the year. And you think, perhaps I'd better get it done now. You are at the mercy of these people. But when it comes to anything medical, except for that case the other day. Do you remember the case of that little uh, child... And the doctors at the hospital, Stoke Mandeville, thought that the child had been beaten by the parents or dropped. So they called the police in. And the child was taken away for nine months. And every parent's nightmare. Now they finally accepted the fact that this child has this, uh, this particular illness, which the mother has also got. You thought they'd have kind of realised this, but they didn't. So they called the police in. The father was arrested. And uh, for nine months... It's, it's a very rare medical condition. This is known as Ehlers-Danlos Syndrome Type 4, which causes easy bruising. So the case has now been stopped. Buckinghamshire Council. You know, Effie, the little girl, was put into care. Her first word, dada, was, was to the foster parent. Absolutely appalling. And then Buckinghamshire Council go, well, I haven't got any comment at all. 
Well, you know, you bloody well should have, I think. Should have. But uh, Mr Stilwell, the man in this case, was arrested, accused of causing grievous bodily harm after this little girl collapsed aged five months. She'd been in and out of A&E and they didn't know what it was. They had no idea. So they then assumed that, of course, it was uh, it was the worst thing. And then somebody says, no, she's suffering from uh, from EDS type four. I went, is she? I went, yeah, the mother's got it. You know, but for nine months, they were uh, they were parted from their, their child. So, you know, not every time they're right. Not every time they're right. But uh, they do their best, as they say. But sometimes, I mean, how many times on this programme have we actually said, and so-and-so hospital have issued an apology? But by that time, it's a bit too blooming late. You're listening to a podcast from LBC. Morning, everybody. Coming up 20 past four. Well, it's 19 minutes past four. Don't, uh, don't sort of believe everything you hear on the radio, because sometimes I can't read the clock for love nor money. I'm terrible, actually. I'm getting worse and worse at reading the time. And the reason is I don't, um, I don't sort of worry so much about the, uh, about the time. Now, I used to. I used to. I used to think it was very... Somebody said it's very important for people who are sort of getting up and, and doing everything, you know, they've got to, you know, got to be here at this time. And then people start listening to the programme and then they get a bit engrossed in it. And, uh, and then, then you kind of, then I've forgotten. So I can be, I can be 10 minutes out on my time checks, which not very clever really, is it for a program that's supposed to be getting you up and getting you ready to, to get to work, even though it seems early. It's funny. It doesn't seem at all early to me now. You know, people say, you know, people always ask me the same questions. What time do you go to bed? What time do you get up? And I go, yeah, but this is normal for me. I spoke to one of my fellow presenters and she's having a terrible time with sleeping. She cannot sleep. She said, Steve, I'm just, I don't know where I am half the time. She said, sometimes I don't get to bed till really, really late and then I can't sleep. I said, it's funny. I said, at the time I'm sleeping, I'm in bed and I'm out like that. Seriously out like that. Although this morning I felt really quite ill. I got out of bed and uh, I sort of did the usual sort of thing, get the shaver. I got a routine, you know, everybody's got the routine in the morning because it's the only thing you can ever do. You get out of bed, you have a wee and then you take your shaver. Uh, not if, no, you know, some people you don't have to shave, I don't know. And uh, you might want to shave, I don't know. And, uh, and then you sort of go and I always go kitchen, get a cup of coffee, back in, sitting room, television on. First thing I do, go to the news index, see what's happened. See if there's anything in there that I should know about, and uh, and then I just I just sort of watch a bit of television, have a shave, drink my cup of coffee, take my medication, go and have a shower. Not every day. Don't have a shower every day. We don't do that. Uh, but we had it sort of last night, so that kind of covers you for the next morning. And um, and then you sort of go downstairs and wait wait for the car. It's just it's like a routine, and once you're in the routine, it's fine. It's getting into the blooming routine that's that's the problem for many people. And most people, especially uh, night workers, do struggle. I mean, I can imagine. I mean, I'm. it's easy for me. I've only got to do three hours. And then if I've got some interviews to do, like uh, tomorrow, I've got two interviews. One, which James O'Brien is doing with me for an in-conversation. So it's it's um, James O'Brien meets Steve Allen again. I mean, we do know each other. But it's going to be a, an hour special to go out at the end of the month. And I've got Kevin Bacon in as well, which I think will be running this weekend. In fact, I'm pretty certain it must be running this weekend. And um, and that'll be this weekend's In Conversation. Who, who we've got with him, I can't remember. I can't. You know, you, you do lots of interviews and you, you just can't remember these things. Uh, somebody says here, you'd be very good chasing trolls. I think it's a great programme idea, don't you? Because it's the scourge of modern day. How many times we open up the newspapers and you read about, you know, somebody who's been trolled? You absolutely. It's the time is right for a programme like that. My friend Jonathan Levi could do that. 
it could be called chasing the trolls. You know, and you find the person who's been doing it to Harvey, you find some of the people who've been doing it to the McCanns, and you expose them, you put them on television, you expose them for what they are. It's a simple... I mean, some of it, you cannot believe what they write about not just Harvey, but about the McCann. You cannot believe the language. You really can't believe the language. Uh, you're talking about breakdancing. reminds me of a clip on YouTube of you doing some excellent breakdancing, says Dan in Pinner. You shut your mouth. <laughs> Don't talk about that. <laughs> How we got that, I'll never know. But uh, anyway, uh, it's a fool and his money are soon parted, not fool and his body says Richard. Oh, I think body sounds better, don't you? A fool in his body are soon parted. I like that. Uh, uh, Janice says, read the pound coin. I can't get any to open. And my friends and colleagues think I've gone bonkers. We see, that's the trouble. You see, people just diss people, don't they? Just because you can't do it doesn't mean to say it can't be done. I could tell you something about the 50 pence piece, but I thought we'd save that for another time. But uh, I know a, a, a lot of people have tried it. It doesn't work for everybody. It really doesn't work for everybody, but it works for, uh, for a lot of people. Uh, apparently, let listeners know, says Scott, the Apple app update is available for, at LBC. I think if you go to the LBC website, lbc.co.uk, you can find all the information on there. Johnny Depp, this is, a, this is an interesting story in the papers. He smuggled a sound engineer onto film sets to feed him his lines... His former manager's claim. What's the matter with that? I don't actually see this as being a problem. Most people, if you're making a film, and you know because we've talked to lots of, lots of actors before, you don't learn the whole script. I do know actors who do do that. We've spoken to a couple recently who so say, I've learned the whole script. Because you learn it that day for the filming. They go, tomorrow we're going to be doing, you know, scene 41, subparagraph 3, whatever it is. And you go in there, you learn that little bit uh, in the taxi going to the, to the venue... And then you just repeat it and they, they record it. But Johnny Depp, apparently, in court papers, they've alleged that the Pirates of the Caribbean star paid the engineer hundreds of thousands of dollars as a retainer. I can't imagine why. You just, get in it, you just say to him, listen, I can't remember lines. Could you feed them into my ear? What's the matter with that? Don't see any problem. Uh, the lawyer acting for the management group uh, wrote, Depp insisted that the sound engineer be kept on a yearly retainer so he has no longer uh, has to memorise his lines. Johnny Depp is suing the management group for just under $20 million, I think it is. It says pounds here, accusing them of mismanaging his money, blah, 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 blah. And, um, and so this has then come back. But what difference does it make whether somebody pays a sound engineer to repeat your lines into your ear? What, what has that got to do with anything? This sh- I don't learn a script on this show. I'm fed the lines. You know, do that one again. I'm... I can't remember what it was now. What was it? I'm fed the lines. Because that's what happens. Sometimes, and I know I've had this from people, they said, we can hear your producer talking to you. And I always go, oh, so I have to turn the headphones down a little bit. Because I used to have them fairly loud. And you could hear the uh, the producer whispering, you know, the usual things that they, uh, they say in your ears. Like, show sounding good, love. Show sounding good. Another winning line there. Very funny. But they're not my funny lines. They're the producer's funny lines. He's, he's the funny person. It's just that he's got a little squeaky voice and it's not going to sound very good on the radio. So, so they let me do it. But I'm, I'm repeating his line. All the gags. It's all his stuff. Actually, I've just realised that's probably legal in a court of law. I've just admitted something on the programme. But, uh, but that's how... It, so if somebody reads your line, who cares? Who cares? I say it's been probably done loads of times over the years. Loads and loads of times. And, uh, and I, I don't think there's any problem with that. Do you think there's a problem? I don't. Uh, the Portuguese copper again, because he did this programme on Portuguese television. And um, 
uh, have said that uh, the Brits' search for Maddie is a waste of eleven million pounds. I mean, that's just what they want to hear, isn't it? It's a waste. So looking for a child is a waste. I admit it's a lot of money. I admit that there are lots of other children uh, who go missing who don't get and are not fortunate enough to have this. Why this has captured the uh, imagination, I have no idea. It is an awful lot of money, especially to go nowhere. A few of you, incidentally, have just uh, messaged in about a few problems uh, with the breaks, the uh, advertising breaks in some parts of the country. We are aware of it. The engineers are working on it now. So I do apologise. I think they're working. Are they based here? The engineer, right. I do apologise. I know what you're missing. Every time I go to the, the break, you're not, uh, you're not getting the break. So uh, rest assured, we are dealing with it. We are dealing with it. Uh, other stories in the, uh, in the papers for today. Uh, the end of the road for car share. Peter Case said no more. There's no Christmas special. There's no... It's, he said it's come to its end. And that's it. Uh, more... More pictures of this explosion, this blast which killed five people, and they captured it. You know, I mean, it's, it's, just, it's an unbelievable picture. It is an unbelievable... You're looking at the end of somebody's life, but you're not... You don't realise that when this thing completely blows up, it was a mortar attack in Afghanistan. Uh, it's really, really bad. Uh, here's a picture of... Um, I don't know who it is, actually. Oh, it's David Beckham, I think, because he's hitting 42, and um, he's cuddling his son. They're obviously a very loving family. So, yeah. so, for you, Dave, a birthday to you, a birthday to you, a birthday to you, David, a birthday to you, and many more. There you go. Nice, isn't it? Your own special song for your very special day, but we still can't work out, none of you can either, what you buy David Beckham for his birthday. I mean, I, I, I really, I thought of a few rude things you could probably buy David Beckham for his birthday, but uh, I say, I don't think that would be appropriate on the programme. I don't know what you buy him. T-shirt or something. Look, Dad, we've all clubbed together. We bought you another tattoo. That could be parking permit for Brooklyn. Yeah, that'd be a good idea. We'll just take the car away from him because that's not his first parking ticket. I think he's had them before. But I mean, why would you care? But he is—he's a bit of an airhead. They call him an airhead. This is the girlfriend he went out with for ages. She's called him an airhead. I mean, basically, I don't know what an airhead is. I'm assuming it's somebody who isn't the brightest penny or the brightest tool in the box, and so they get a bit of an airhead. Because he's sort of the oldest in the family. But um, I'd, I never see him chatting away to his brothers. Perhaps the, the two younger ones obviously have that in common. But I don't think Brooklyn's got anything in common with anybody. I mean, he'd like to be some, have something in common with his mother. But, of course, she's never there half the time. She's sort of jetting off around the world. Uh, the Queen Vic's silent barmaid gets a plot line. This woman has been in. You don't know who she is. She's Tracy, played by Jane Slaughter. She's been playing this barmaid... For 32 years in the Queen Vic. And they've finally given her a storyline. After 32 years. Where, where she says is, what can I get you? And that's it. Because every soap throws up people uh, who don't say anything. And they're in every soap. And I'll, I'll tell you the other side of the news. Who the people are. Because you might not have thought about it. There used to be a guy in Emmerdale. He used to sit there by the side of the bar nursing a pint. Never said a word. They weren't allowed to. Because if you spoke, they had to pay you more money. And so, but uh, she's now finally got, after 32 years, has it really been going that long? It seems so much longer. Uh, she's finally got a bit of a, a storyline, but I'll tell you about uh, Casualty, Coronation Street, uh, East End. It's quite a few in East Enders and quite a few in Coronation Street. Uh, people who don't say very much, but they've been in it for ages. It's the, uh, it's the silent. I mean, you know, she's done nothing. 
behind the bar at all. She's just there, sort of collecting glasses and drink. What can I get you? Yeah. And that's it. That's her. That's her. But now she's got a name. We now know who she is, which is good news. You're listening to a podcast from LBC. Morning, everybody. Nice to have you company. Welcome to Wednesday. I know we're sort of, we're slowly ploughing through the week, but don't worry, you've only got two more days to go, and you're back into the weekend. So having told you, and new listeners start here, please, that uh, a woman who plays the barmaid Tracy in, uh, in EastEnders has finally got a plot line after 32 years of just saying, what can I get you? And that's it. And then the person who she's talking to sort of says, uh, mumble something. But in fact, there's loads of them. Winston, the market trader in EastEnders... Uh, played by Ulrich Brown. He's been there from 1986. 1986. Although he has the odd line here and there, he still has a legion of fans. And he had a role in Panto, off the back of the soap. <laughs> it's unbelievable. Also, over in Casualty, Paul Anderson, 1986 until present time. Uh, he's played hospital porter Oscar. He's a dancer and a teacher. He's been involved in train crashes, a plane explosion and a devastating fire. But most likely fans will see him pushing his trolley. He doesn't say very much either. Uh, In Coronation Street, it's the married couple, Joel David and Maureen Seberg. Uh, The married couple uh, are the longest serving extras. They've been on the show for 43 years. 43 years! Unbelievable. They both applied to be extras in 1973 to supplement their incomes as a singer and an actress. Joel, who is 69, says in those days you had to be an equity member to be in the background artist. So we both went and uh, and joined. That's how it works. Also in Coronation Street, you've got Adam Blees. Uh, he joined in 2007. He's been an extra on Coronation Street for almost 10 years, working as a knicker stitcher, Dirk, in the underwear factory. Again, hardly says a word. Marie, the cafe worker in EastEnders. She's been there from 2003 and uh, she found her voice and replied, can't somebody else do it? Somebody said, you know, can you cover a shift? And apparently her fans went into a frenzy. She speaks, she speaks. Uh, the milkman in EastEnders is Michael Leader. Uh, he did up until 2016 from 1985... He was in the very first episode. He often appeared in scenes with Barbara Windsor and Jesse Wallace, but it was 16 years after his first appearance when he got his first line. How lovely. But uh, he, uh, he passed away last year. That's the only reason he's not in the show. And uh, bosses dedicated an episode to him in, memor- in memory of Michael Leader. Isn't that nice? And uh, Chris Canavan, Dusty in Coronation Street. He's another one. He doesn't say anything in the show. There's loads of them. Loads of them. There you go. You see, there's hope for everybody. You want to be on the telly? Get yourself in as an extra. I'll tell you who was an extra in there. Jonathan Ross's mother. She was an extra for a long, long time. You'd see I think she was a market trader. And uh, you couldn't miss her. She was quite a large person. And uh, I don't mean that in any detrimental way. It's just that you couldn't miss her because she was large. Otherwise, I'm trying to describe somebody that you've never heard of before. Uh, the Sun this morning, I've got uh, Barbara Windsor. The exclusive interview with uh, the secret of why she never had any kids. I don't think, she, pardon me, I don't think she got any sex education. I really don't. She always picked the wrong sort of men. Luckily, the man she's got now, uh, get out of my pub. Uh, she let him into her pub. He's, uh, he's lovely, Scott. And they've been together many, many years now. Everybody wrote them off years ago. I've often said that. I've said, you know, people go, it won't last, you know. She was much older. She was doing panto. And he was doing panto. And uh, they just... They just hit it off. I think she looked at him, truthfully, and went, Quaw. 
I bet she did. I bet she did. I know Barbara Shin, the sort of thing she'd say, actually. But, uh, no, so you get this uh, this programme this week. Uh, Scott the Cabbie says, Tracy the barmaid has had plenty of uh, of few-word one-liners in the past. How is that a story? Because she she's not actually been a proper character. It's only now they've actually given her a plot. Because I think she's just been fired from the pub by Lee Ryan. That's the, uh, the singer. Uh, in Neighbours, the non-speaking actor played Bouncer, says Rob. Do you remember Bouncer? Is Bouncer still alive? They're not bringing back Wellard, are they? Thank God. I used to like it, you know, when they had sort of a dog in a in a in a soap. This is yeah, Bouncer was sort of quite entertaining, and I quite like Lassie, who popped up in quite a few things. Although to be honest with you, I never liked Sheepdog. One, a member of our family used to have a, a Sheepdog, uh, not a Sheepdog. It was um, a Collie, and it and it looked a bit like Lassie, just a smaller version of it. I never took to it. Never took to it at all. Uh, Tony Hancock regularly had his lines held up on boards for him to read. If you watch the blood donor episode, you can clearly see him looking at them. Doesn't make it any less funny, though, says Nigel. Yes, I mean, I absolutely agree with you. In fact, when, when Bob Hope did the, uh, the London Palladium, um, all his cue cards were on the front seats. They were, they were propped up on the seats because he couldn't remember anything. Um, ten minutes ago, you said you could be ten minutes out on any time checks. Actually, it's an hour because you said it was 4.20, says George in St Ives in Cornwall, where we get an extra hour of daylight in the evening than London. How lovely. Like we care. You're writing to the wrong person. We don't care about things like that. Debbie Harry's in town. Any chance of an in-conversation with this music legend? Um... Um, I don't... I'm not a big fan of Debbie Harry, actually. I know it's a bit strange, isn't it? Uh, you know, you would think I would be, because she's sort of... Everything that that sort of embodies what I like. She's sort of camp, sexy, feisty. Once in you with a head class. Yeah, I, mean, I quite like that. I quite like that. I'm not sure. How old is she now? I mean, she must be 70... Let me guess at 73... I'm guessing at 73. I could be wrong, actually, on 73. This is where I generally get people's ages completely out of kilter. 71. There you go. I'm so sorry. I've just made her a lot older than she really is. 71. But 71 is the new 50. 71 is, is really... You know, people are 50 now. It's, uh, it's, sort of, it's, it's a lot easier to get round that, isn't it? Uh, another one here. It uh, says... Um, oh, yes. Can you just let people know that um, we're not getting all the uh, advertisements? We do know. We have told them. They are, they are working on it. It's just, uh, it's a little bit early for them at the moment. <laughs> just, just bear, it'll happen very shortly, don't worry. Uh, Killed by Kindness, the story which I read you earlier on. And there's some page three people who've gone over to, um, where have they gone to? Oh, they've gone to Barbados. God damn, honestly. Don't let anybody go to Barbados. It used to be so exclusive, Barbados, didn't they? It was really, you know, it was the place to go to in Barbados. You're with the millionaires. Now you're with a bunch of page three girls on the beach in Barbados. But, um... Uh, they were on a sort of... A th- they've all got their... They're, they're on a... Uh, what do they call it? A hen-do for somebody getting married. And uh, Sam Cook's hen-bash was always going to be ultra-glam. Uh, not really. They all look a bit ropey. And uh, nobody wears that much makeup when you're on holiday. That's the whole idea. You don't sit on a beach in full makeup, But you do if you're a page three bunny. Because if you're a page three bunny, you have to have your picture taken. And so all the- here they are. Rianne Sugden. Claim to fame... No, can't remember, actually, dear, but I'm sure you're very, very famous. India Reynolds. No, not a clue on India Reynolds, I'm afraid. Um, How about um, Holly Piers? No, not even Holly Piers. Who else have we got here? Emily O'Hara. 
No. And Rosie Jones. No, none of them. But they're all page three bunnies. So that's why you've never heard of them. And as we said yesterday, if a holiday destination is full of British people, don't go there. OK, don't go there. Go and find somewhere else, because uh, I mean, it's not really worth it. You know, I mean, if it's full of page three girls, even more so. You don't, you know, that's, that's, it doesn't get any worse. You know, where are you on holiday? Who, who was there on holiday when you, oh, Rianne Sugden. Rihanna, yeah, I know. That's what we thought. But they were surrounded by photographers and they had pictures taken on the beach and everything else. And you think, do you think one of these days people might actually go on holiday and not take loads and loads of pictures of themselves on there and send them back again? It's very narcissistic. You know, I don't go on holiday and take pictures of me lying there with my little speedos on, you know, waiting for the tide to come in. I don't, you know, I don't do things like that. And then they post them. You know, it's mainly all the uh, the peculiar ones from the Geordie Shores who take selfies in their bedroom, always by themselves. Always a little Miss Lonely. They don't seem to have any friends at all. Uh, the Daily Star are talking about Diane's dumb maths. This is Diane Abbott. You didn't hear it. You must go to the LBC website because uh, it's it's gone viral, which is good news. Uh, the Met Gala Flesh Flash. It's a bunch of no-hopers from the cheaper end of the American reality market who turn up wearing hardly any clothes. You know, see-through. Apparently it was some uh, what's-its-birthday the other day. What's her name again? Who's the, the Lizzie Cundy. Apparently 46. <laughs> yeah, right. And uh, she was there again. Still still nobody in her life, which is very sad. But there again, she does hang around with all the wrong people. And what A-list celebrities did she invite to her birthday bash? Wow, it was so exciting. Dan Wooten. <laughs> exactly. And Ola Jordan. I mean, dear me. Oh, and Zara Holland. Lovely. It was a real class place, wasn't it, really? Mind you, the good news was that Lizzie Cundy, Z-lister of this parish, uh, went apparently knicker-free. Class, isn't it, for 46? Lovely. And got loads of freebies because she thanks so many people. So she'll be talking about it in her minuscule column in OK magazine where, you know, thanks for all my close chum. I mean, imagine if you turn up to a party and there's Ola Jordan there. I mean, you're out the door immediately. You don't want to hang around. Or Zara Holland. Goodness sake. It's a... But both her radio show listeners will love it, I'm told. I can't believe they've been put up. Well, that voice, she's on radio. What does she talk about? Lord above. Anyway, it doesn't make any difference. Is it actually available, this sort of thing? It's... You have to pay. Good Lord. Heavens above. That's a bit bad, isn't it? I don't like the sound of that. Paying, ladies and gentlemen. <clears throat> what else have we got? Oh, yes, the, the sickos in the paper. I'm telling you, my idea of this seek the troll or catch the troll is, is going down big guns because sickos have offered cash for the top Harvey troll. Cash is being offered. Uh, Katie Price's son has become the focus of a vile social media club dubbed The Bathroom. I mean, you know, members of the Facebook banter group which has 200,000 members have offered money to people with the most rude videos and best photoshops of Harvey who is blind and autistic another member said can anybody please photoshop me with Harvey uh, he's my I'll pay 10 pounds are these people really sick really I mean to be honest with you if you actually draw attention to them it probably gives them more more grist for the mill doesn't it so the idea is not to um is not to actually mention them because they're they're either too stupid, or uh, or they're just they're just not well, just not well at all. Uh, nice picture here. This is uh, Amanda Holden. She's over in Disneyland Paris. They've got a big thing taking place in Disneyland Paris. It's um it's a music festival. They've got DJs going over there that I've never heard of, because they've all got one word names. The DJs now it's all it's it's all a bit sort of hippie and all that kind of stuff, and uh, so we don't do them. Uh, Sarah. Syrah, this is uh, 
This is uh, Syra Khan has hit back at Muslim trolls who branded her a disgrace for posing in a bikini. I don't think she really cares about things like that. She doesn't care about anything else. But uh, she hit back after being branded evil by one person who claimed it was his duty to tell her as a brother. Troll Bilal Ali wrote, Don't show your body to everyone. Your body parts are precious to you as a Muslim. I'm disgraced to see this. You are a role model to many, but it's not the way. She's not a role model to anybody at all. Why would she be a role model? She's got a newspaper column and she's on Loose Women. What's got to do with you what she wears? Mind your own business. These people write the stupidest things to people, honestly. She's perfectly... What do you think? Muslim women don't go out and enjoy themselves. Not you think everybody has to be sort of, you know, stay indoors, don't go out, don't do anything. Good Lord above. No, she's kicking the teeth, matey. And uh, probably rightly so, actually. Two, uh, two non-speaking parts. The two dogs from the James Herriot TV vet series. Oscar and Owen are nasty, growly things in real life. The only dogs I've been nervous around. But great to hear you every day, says Brian. I don't... Um, you see, I mean, I, I, I quite like dogs, but I was watching a great programme yesterday, yesterday, day before, on police dogs and how they train them. Uh, to track, and dogs who do drugs. They had one one dog on there, and it was such a gorgeous dog. And he was a spaniel, and he did drugs, money, and guns. <laughs> I ask you, how you train a dog to find... I can understand something like money, because they have them... And I've told you, in Florida, they have them there sniffing fruit and vegetables. That's what they're, they're. That's not the name of the people coming off the plane, incidentally. That that's what they're, because you're not allowed to take stuff in. And so the first time I went there, I thought, what is he looking for? I thought I thought drug dog, but no. He was, and the the guy said to me, no, he's he's looking for vegetables, sir. And I went, oh, got quite worried about that. Luckily, bypassed me because they do it fast, don't they? Always worry if they sit down in front of you, if the dog sits there looking up at you, you think oh, that's what they've been trained to do. You're listening to a podcast from LBC. Well, you see, Brand Beckham didn't even stop yesterday. He was relaunching some Adidas trainers. So they've got a picture of Dave holding it, because you know Dave you can rent. He will promote anything for you, provided you, uh, you cough up the right bit of money. He celebrates his uh, 42nd birthday, and so they all pose touching uh, messages and uh, snaps on social media. And uh, pictures with Cruz, Harper and Victoria... Is lovely. And uh, Romeo hugging Dad and Brooklyn and Bex. It's sort of, it's the family that uh, stays together, provided Dave gets, I wonder what he gets paid for holding up a pair of Adidas trainers. Do you think they go uh, 150 grand for that, Dave? That all right? Um, yeah, okay, that'll be fine. Yeah, that'll be fine. So that's what they do. Uh, also, the jihadi bond baddie is in the paper today. You remember this story because this was a, a cyber jihadi who hit his stash of terror manuals on James Bond-style cufflinks. Um, must be very small, mustn't they? Anyway, he's just been jailed for eight years. Samata Ula uh, created a one-stop shop for Islamic State members from his bedroom. There are all these people. They've got quite a few screws loose, haven't they, really? But, uh, he had an online library for terrorists, including copies of the ISIS magazine, which is called uh, Dabik. He's a divorcee, not at all surprised. But uh, at the time of his arrest, he had hordes of extremist information on data sticks hidden in cufflinks. And at the Old Bailey, the court heard he had advised other ISIS members not to store illegal information on computers and recommended using USB sticks. But anyway, eight years to sit in prison and just contemplate just how stupid you've been. Uh, also, the, the story that we did yesterday, the uh, co-op. They're only doing British meat. They're not doing anything else, even though a lot of meat comes in from abroad. A lot of meat comes in. If they say British meat, I'm going to appear terribly ignorant here. Does that mean Irish meat? 
is being sold or not being sold. Because I thought a lot of meat came from Ireland. I know my butter comes from there. I've said to the people at Kerry Gold, I quite like the idea. I used to love the adverts on the television for things like that. But I'm sure there's a lot of meat that comes from Ireland. Now, does that class as British meat or... That's a difficult one, isn't it, really? I wish I'd not asked, actually, because we don't know the answer to that, uh, to that question. But that's what they're saying. They're saying they don't want to have anything but British meat there. I was always told that, the, pardon me, the meat on the shelves can be anything up to two years old because it goes into what they call deep freeze. And that's not like you putting it in the freezer where it might last for two or three months. This is, it can last for years in deep freeze and then they sort of thaw it out and then apparently it's OK. Uh, 8 for 8, 5, oh, Steve at lbc.co.uk. Tara says, you have an excellent way of filling that widely applicable word stupid with such absolute dismissiveness. I know, stupid people. Stupid. There's no other word you can really use for somebody. They're either they're either sort of in the real world or they're stupid, and um, and that and that kind of covers a multitude of uh, of sort of expressions. I think. Thank you for bringing a true grin to our faces at caffeine time. Says Tara. Caffeine time. Lovely. There's a, a bloke here. He's paid a holiday fine. I wasn't aware you could do this. This is a dad who took his son out of school to go on holiday in Egypt. He paid his sixty pound fine. With one and two P pieces. It's a bit stupid. It's a little bit silly. I thought they don't have to accept that. It's like if you get on a bus and they go... I mean, I, there's not many buses you can get on where you pay. In fact, hardly any, I think, nowadays. In Lo- Outside of London, you can, yeah. And if you, if you sort of say, well, it's two pounds, I'm going to pay you in pennies, they go, no. I can only accept up to, I think, five pence. Um, because otherwise, it's, you sit there counting it out. So this, this ridiculous father, whose name is uh, Paddy Forbes tipped his bucket of coppers on a desk in front of a council worker and scarpered. What do you think he does for a living, eh? What do you think he does for a living? He's a transport firm owner. He says, as far as I'm concerned, that's it paid. They asked for 60 quid and they got 60 quid. He comes from Swansea. There's a lot of stupid people seem to appear in the papers on a daily basis. I don't think, you know, and he's scarpered. I think they're going to say, you can come and collect it, dear. And uh, we'll have it in pound notes, please, or in fivers or ten, ten or twenties. But he believes that fining parents for taking children on holiday in term time is a ridiculous rule designed to punish working class families. You've got a, you own a firm. Don't you have working? What's this garbage working class families? You're not working class. You're middle class. The money you're earning. He says, I can't afford to take everybody away during half term. You can afford 60 quid, though, can't you? And you own a transport firm. Well, you know, goodness sake. Anyway, where am I going to learn more about the world? Sitting in a classroom in Swansea or at an Egyptian temple in the Valley of the Kings? Yeah, I bet you never went there, though. According to the Royal Mint, pound, sorry, penny and 2p coins are only legal tender for amounts up to 20 pence. Swansea City Council didn't, uh, didn't say anything about it. But it's only up to 20 pence, dear, so it looks likely you have to uh, get your little swivel lips back down there, take it all out and give them some proper money. Because you've made yourself look really daft. All this rubbish about, we can't afford to do it, we can't afford to do that. You know, apparently last month, the Supreme Court upheld the ban on parents taking kids out of school. So that's probably the end of the matter. They upheld the ban on parents. So you can take them out of school. You can't. No, you can't. That's what I thought. Because there was somebody who challenged it, didn't they? And they lost that. So the Supreme Court... So uh, uh, if if I was uh, running Swansea Town Council, sir... I'd be doubling your fine for insulting because it's not legal tender above 20 pence. It's good, isn't it? I love it when a plan comes together. And there's a Laura Laura wannabes. Fans are queuing to be Scylla. 
Thousands of them. They don't look like Scylla. They don't look anything like Scylla at all. They were greeted by uh, Robert, who's uh, her son, in the home city of Liverpool, as they queued for the role in Scylla the Musical. Because uh, I hope they... T- I've got a couple of really good, famous Scylla Black tracks that I would love to hear included. I think... Um, one's, I think... Um, God, what was the... First of all, the... Um, broken... I think that... Can you give me a list of Scylla Black tracks? And I'll tell you the two favourites that not everybody listens to all the time because it doesn't fit into the most popular ones. But uh, as far as I'm concerned, if they're doing... Right, so I like Love of the Loved, not one of my favourites. It's, it's OK. Anyone Had a Heart was good. You're My World. It's, these were all big hits for her. Um, uh, it's For You. It's For You. I've Been Wrong Before is a great song. And also, Love's Just a Broken Heart. Love's Just a Broken Heart, I think, would be my, and you've probably never even heard it before. It's got the best orchestrations that I've ever heard on a record. It's really good, really, really good. So I think that's from uh, Scylla Sings a Rainbow. But there's the best of, there's, you know, the best of Scylla Black, I Only Live to Love You. They're literally hit after hit after hit. This is, this is the girl who uh, was the cloakroom girl at, uh, at the Cavern. And that's it. So she knew the Beatles. She knew the Beatles very well. Listen to this. Just, I'm only playing a little bit of this. You see, now I don't know whether or not this was recorded with a big orchestra or whether or not it was, uh, it was done just with a little kind of thing. And I think this is one of her biggest hits. Um, but I didn't know that it was a huge hit for Scylla Black because she had this television show at the time and she would go on and again, you've got this orchestration, and it goes now. They told me when I found you that it wouldn't last. They said you... I, just, I could sit and listen to that all day. I could, in fact, I sometimes sing along to it if I'm having a really, really emotional day. But I'm in show business, so it doesn't matter. So, Scylla Black, and uh, the show's going to be called Scylla the Musical. They've got to put all the hits in. They've got to put all the hits in. The funny thing was, not everybody thought she was a great singer. Uh, but I thought she was good. She wasn't a fantastic singer, but I thought she was good. Surround yourself with sorrow, and it's only conversations here. All these other songs. Anyway, enough of that already. Heavens above. Didn't tune in the radio to hear some sort of off-tune singer. Mind you, I could do Britain's Got Talent. Listen, I could be better than some of these people. And I did see somebody on there the other day. Is it? Is his name? Oh, I can't remember his name is now. But um, he he's known to a friend of mine. And I think his name... I'm going to find his name, because uh, I... Checked him out on YouTube. He's a recording in America, I believe, at the moment. And he's he's very, very good. He's very, very good. I was checking out as well Calabro. Calabro are going to be touring with Cliff Richard, um, which is excellent. And this is a guy called Callum Scott. I don't know if you remember him, but he had a most unusual voice. Could be a huge, huge star. And he's on YouTube. And uh, good-looking boy. British singer, songwriter. He, I think he won Britain's Got Talent. And um, he's reached number two on the singles chart. N- an unusual voice, really. He's only like 28, but he looks, he looks young. He comes from Kingston upon Hull. They have to say that. It makes it sound more exciting than, where'd you come from, love? Hull. It's Kingston upon Hull. I don't know why. It's, King, it's uh, Kingston upon... I don't know. But uh, it's lovely, isn't it? It's just like... It um, looks like that. Uh, Daily Express this morning... Uh, they've got keep taking the statins. This is the doctor's urgent warning. They were so worried the other day. Edward I renamed it, did he? 
It was renamed King's Town upon Hull. Somebody's changed it, haven't they? Somebody will be in trouble. King's Town, not Kingston. King's Town. That was in 1299. We all remember that vividly, don't we? It was a fishing and whaling centre. I think it still is. I've seen pictures of people going out for nights on the town. It's certainly a whaling centre. So the the doctor's urgent warnings to millions of patients, keep taking the statins. Because they were saying the other day, don't take the statins. Now they're saying, no, don't not take the statins. Take the statins, please. Coming up to the news at six o'clock this Wednesday, the 3rd of May. It's Steve Allen's early breakfast on LBC. It's nice to have your company. Uh, The Kate Pictures. Uh, William has uh, got his team in court and uh, more painful because of Diana, uh, the topless pictures. They're looking for 1.3 million. Um, and I don't I couldn't even predict the outcome of this. I really couldn't, because if they're going to say that paparazzi pictures are bad and you can't publish them, uh, then it's going to just literally close down lots and lots of magazines because they rely on pictures. I mean, there are some Italian magazines. That's all they do is print paparazzi pictures. The pill that could get you fit without leading the sofa, uh, the high street stores, the female mannequins in the window. They're too thin, too thin. Cereal is tastier in a square bowl and one in nine men feel lonely every day. You're listening to a podcast from LBC. Morning, everybody. Nice to have your company. Welcome along to LBC. It's Wednesday, the 3rd of May. It's Steve Allen with you until 7. So this morning, bromances are good for men. Uh, the surfer surviving 32 hours in the... I mean, how... I mean, like the miracle of all miracles. 32 hours in the sea. He swept 13 miles offshore. They said if he'd not been wearing his wetsuit they'd be pulling a body out of the sea. The fact they got him back in one piece is a, is a miracle in itself. Um, the female mannequins, too thin, too thin, but I'm, I'm complaining that the male mannequins are too thin in the shop windows. I don't know what size waist these people have got, but they're tiny. They're tiny. So when somebody of my size goes in there, I mean, they look at me like, nothing for you, fat boy fat. Nothing at all. It's very embarrassing. I've got to go and get this thing for this do I'm going to. And I've decided I'm definitely wearing a shirt, but I know where the, wh- what, what the shirt is. I just can't find it. So I'll need to go out, I think, over this weekend and try and find the blooming thing. It's such a pain, it really is, honestly. You spend your life, don't you, buying things. I was talking to my brother's girlfriend the other day because her, her daughter's getting married and her mum's giving her away, which I think is lovely. But she's going to go out and buy a complete new outfit because it's an excuse, isn't it, to go and buy things. And you go, I'm going to go and buy a new hat and do this kind of stuff and everything else. It's, I'm looking forward to it. It's not till next year. We're just talking about it now, as you can well imagine. I like the story in the papers of the boy of 10 raising the alarm when robbers attacked his mum. And then in a police lineup, he identified them. I mean, what a, what a good kid. What a good kid. Uh, also, what's up, Doc? The five-figure compensation for the bunny. Remember the bunny in the aircraft? which died, and uh, before she knew what had happened, the breeder had been told they'd, um, they'd uh, cremated the bunny. So she's looking for compensation, because you can't put it back together again, can you? And they don't know. Um, and also uh, Barbara Windsor, the secrets of why she never had any kids. It's a, it's a, a full-length programme charting her, her career, and it is a career and a half, seriously. I mean, you know, when you consider that uh, Barbara's uh, 80... Coming up 80. God, I don't want to put her to, to any sort of strain by the going. He's just said you're 80, but I think she's coming up into 80. And um, and there's going to be uh, this big programme on the television looking at her life. And it is quite a life. She did all the carry-ons. She's one of the few survivors of the carry-ons. But uh, she didn't do all of them. There was a few that she didn't do. 
and um, and she was she was very popular, as you can imagine. She's still little bubbly Barbara, and um, still quite quite busty. But uh, she said to me that's because she's got a small back. I think <laughs> don't know how that don't ask me how that works. I wish I'd not mentioned it. Uh, also, the zombies on spice. Taking over the north, the gangs are lacing drinks. This is this drug which is seemingly freely available up north. I'm hoping to God it doesn't come down here, but I suspect it probably will, uh, because that's how things work. And it's cheap. And wherever a drug is cheap, it gets people hooked on it. But these people go into this state of, well, just collapsing. They're just sprawled out all over the pavements. And you, you see that more and more. In London, we see people who are sprawled out all over the pavements, sleeping during the daytime. So there are obviously people who've got some issues either with the fact they can't get a job or they've got drunk uh, problems or drink or drugs or something like that, because they seem to spend all day just lying in sleeping bags. They're all over the place around London. They're probably the same where you are. It's a, it's a bigger problem now than I think it's ever been. Um, uh, Meghan Markle's going to win over the royal family. Apparently she's going to cook them roast chicken. Believe it when you see it. Because I don't think it's ever going to happen. Do you? I don't think that. Do you think, seriously, she'll be saying, oh, and, and the Queen is actually... Uh, uh, popping over to uh, to uh, to sample some roast chicken. I mean, the Queen who hardly eats anything. I don't think she'd be interested in somebody cooking roast chicken. She's got chefs who do stuff like that. If she wants roast chicken, her chefs will cook whatever she wants. And I shouldn't imagine she's particularly demand. I think she likes nice quality food, but uh, I don't think she's a huge eater. I don't think any of them are. If you look at, you know, Prince Philip, he's not exactly sort of, you know, huge, is he? Whereas I think Prince Andrew's let himself go. Charles is still thin. Edward's still uh, reasonably thin. I don't think Princess Anne's figure's changed. It's just just Andrew, isn't it? He's sort of ballooned out a little bit. Uh, Johnny Depp, he's in court in America. He's arguing, <coughs> excuse me, with his, um, with his ex-management. And uh, it's a case of he says they've done this, they're saying this. They've now thrown back, as if it's got anything to do with it, that he wears an earpiece in his film so that somebody reads his lines to him. I don't quite see a problem with that at all. I really don't see a problem with somebody having their lines read. He said it saves him having to learn them. Why not? As long as he makes good films. Who cares? That's the whole idea, isn't it, really? That you, uh, you think to yourself, as long as he's a good actor and he convinces you that he's that person, who cares how he's getting his lines? They could be written on the back of his hand, as far as I'm concerned. Um, the, the pill, which can get you fit without leading the sofa, is sort of like a drug uh, which burns fat. They say it could be used in elderly, obese or otherwise mobility-limited people who are unable to exercise. I don't like exercise. I, I mean, I, I wish I did. I've spoken to people before, you know, who've been very good at exercise. They go, oh, you could do this. And the amount of personal trainers who've contacted me over the years and said, listen, Steve, I can I can get you fit. You think, oh, no, I don't want to show myself up. I'll get the stents done first, then I'll uh, then I'll I'll think about it. Because I might actually be a little bit better after that. Well, I hope so, anyway. Uh, the cruel promises of the IVF clinics. Uh, one woman said, I spent £3,000, but the advice was misleading. And, um, well, I mean, doctors caught on camera making wildly optimistic claims for egg freezing. And uh, they're just taking money off people. It's just not not good, is it? Not good at all. Uh, Will's the pain of topless Kate photos worse because of what happened to Diana? I suppose that would be. I mean, what he said here, and I'll read you his uh, statement, which was read out. He says, in September 2012, my wife and I thought we could go to France for a few days in a secluded villa owned by a member of my family and thus enjoy our privacy. We know France and the French and we know that they are, in principle, respectful of private life, including that of their guests. The clandestine way in which these photographs were taken was particularly shocking to us as it breached our privacy. 
He says that the images were all the more painful, giving the harassment linked to the death of his mother. In France. You know, in France. So that's why they uh, they don't like it. And so they're looking for uh, for £1.3 million. Now, whether they get that in court, because they might say, listen, they, you know, you didn't know the picture was being taken, so there couldn't be any harm. The harm would come because they were printed in a magazine, I suppose. You don't expect to see something like that. You know, if I was photographed on a beach and somebody went, look at that, you know, I'd be going, oh, so humiliating, so humiliating. It's an invasion of their privacy. But the, the invasion was through a camera lens. And I don't know how far away she was. You know, you think to yourself, if you're going to sunbathe topless and you are a member of the royal family, my advice would be don't. Because there would be staff in this place. It's a castle, I believe, like a castle. And uh, there were staff there. So, so obviously she didn't have a problem with sort of stripping off half a mile away. That's where the photographer was. Half a mile. Wow. That goes to prove, doesn't it? Somebody could be sitting the other side of the square here and take a picture of me sitting in this studio. Mind you, if they can take a picture of you half a mile away, they could also fire a gun. Yes, that was done to, yes, that was done to Chris. Yes, of course. Half a mile away. Honestly, the more I think about that, the more I think... I think it's because she didn't know about it. But there again, I don't think you can sunbathe topless. I don't, you know, not if you're a member of the royal family, because somebody somewhere is going to be thinking that picture is worth X thousands of pounds. And I should imagine it was worth X thousands of pounds. Mind you, if the court case goes against them, it could be uh, could be a complete disaster. Complete disaster. Uh, the surfer is uh, is pictured here today. His name's Matthew Bryce, 22 he was 13 miles from shore when the rescue helicopter finally found him. How you find people, I've got no idea. I mean, I've been out, I told you, onto the oceans, and uh, you couldn't see anything. It could be somebody bobbing around, you'd never see them. All you see, it's, it's almost like a reflective mirror. It's terrible. It really, it's absolutely awful. Uh, bromances are good for men. The rise of the bromance means men are now more comfortable sharing their feelings with each other than the women in their lives. As long as it just stops at the bromance. You know, any further than that, I think it's called an affair. OK, and whether it's with a man or a woman, it's still called an affair. But it means that uh, close male friendships no longer risk being misinterpreted as gay. Yeah, I mean, I think you can tell, can't you? Don't you know if you're... I mean, you'd kind of work it out for yourselves, I should imagine. But they interviewed loads of people in uh, in Winchester. And they, they discovered... That, uh, that bromances were more emotionally intimate and tactile than other friendships. Because at one time, men couldn't do affection. You know, the only, the only place you saw affection was on the football pitch. And that looks slightly suspect at times. You know, people would come over and sort of hug you, and Wayne Rooney said, don't touch the hair, don't touch the hair! And everybody's going, oh, well done, you know, it's fantastic on that. And they go, don't touch me, there's people watching, OK? Wait till we get in the bath. And so people, so all of a sudden, because they've been doing it in rugby for ages. Most sports people do it, don't they? They do this, this sort of affectionate touching. But it's seen now. I mean, nowadays you do it in a company. You're into HR faster than little legs could go if they were on roller skates. You know, people saying, you know, I was, I was touched inappropriately. So I don't know what touching inappropriately is. Is it all right to put your hands on somebody's shoulder? You're going, so, you know, is, is that, I don't know. See, I have a feeling, actually, that that's probably not... Not to be advised, unless you know the person. Um, Sarah Vine is um, talking about odd couple, the Macron's love story. Very weird. This is the bloke who's out with his teacher who's been married. It's all very odd, honestly. Uh, also, um, the other one here. Hundreds of patients in, in uh, HIV scare as doctor tests positive. 
uh, mortgage debt of the over 65s. The mortgage debt of the over 65s has now hit 40 billion. What are people doing with it? And uh, Jeremy Clarkson promised, sorry, praised sarcastically, who? I shall tell you in a moment. You're listening to a podcast from LBC. Morning, everybody. 6.20. It's been cold this morning, isn't it? Yesterday, did we have rain? No. I don't think we had rain. In fact, yesterday, was my next-door neighbour's gone mad for plants. She's out there every day and planting. Me, I've been bone idle. In fact, we're not getting the hanging baskets for about two more weeks because I still think we've got a little bit of cold weather to come, so I'm going to sort of leave it till the right point. Uh, anyway, uh, Jeremy Clarkson uh, penned, praised sarcastically, the BBC... Uh, personable one-show presenter Matt Baker. Matt Baker is the the 39-year-old bloke who um, is not very good on the one-show, but he, he's better when you stick him outside in a field with some sheep and things like that. Uh, in his uh, Sunday Times column, he writes, Matt's the sort of man you'd want your daughter to marry, he jeered. Matt has never looked at pornography on the internet or put a stickleback down a waste disposal unit. Matt has great teeth and a range of jumpers that are lovely. I bet he writes long and brilliant thank-you letters. What is behind this, we ask ourselves. Uh, Baker apparently once apologised on behalf of the BBC after Clarkson, appearing on the one show, commented on striking rail workers saying, I take them outside and execute them in front of their families. So Matt Baker, quite clear, somebody obviously shouting in his earpiece like mad, apologise, apologise, because you can't get the person to apologise because he's just said it. So, if you notice, any time anybody swears on a TV programme, the presenter who is fronting the programme will have to apologise and go, I'm sorry about that, like Philip Schofield had to do it for Katie Price when she used the N-word, and they've had it on Loose Women a few times. Um, and so they have to say, I'm really sorry about that, please please don't swear again. In fact, Davina McCall used to say it all the time on Big Brother. She'd go, uh, this is Big... Oh, hi, Big Brother, this is Davina, please don't swear, you're on live television. And nobody did swear. Uh, unfortunately, it didn't quite work uh, in Jeremy Clarkson's case. Uh, somebody writes here, the Ephraim Hardcastle column, and says, shouldn't Jeremy be grateful he didn't have to do the grovelling apology himself? Yes, well, they just don't do that, do they? They're probably all the, all the producers getting a bit nervous about oh, putting him on television. He might swear, he might do this, he might do, do that. You know, I don't think he actually meant it, but it's just that it was the implication and so they then have to... Apo- I hear it all the time on television. People having to apologise. You know, please don't do this. Please don't swear. Somebody swear. Please, I'm so sorry. And you think, who has anybody ever written in saying, I've just sort of heard Katie Price on the television and she used the N-word twice? You know, has anybody ever written in going, I was absolutely outraged by, by what she said? I don't think anybody bothers nowadays, do they? Surely people have got much better things to do. Did they? They do. Oh, right. Oh, well, I'm surprised. I've never sworn in my life, actually, on air. There's an inbuilt thing. It's very funny. Ask any radio presenter. And mind you, television presenters as well. You know, you... Yes, I, I did... I did... I, I warned them one time. I said, I'm going to swear. Because I wanted to push the button on it. And then I thought, say we weren't actually in the delay. <laughs> and I had this horrible feeling. My, my life flashed in front of me. My boss is going, please, please don't, please don't. But I, I did think for a brief moment, just supposing we're not in the delay. But uh, I know it is because I can see the little little light on. Uh, the Shameless Sisters, who are fashion's new darlings. This is um, uh, the uh, the people like uh, Kylie Jenner, uh, Kendall Jenner, uh, Gigi Hadid. They're all a bit vacuous, aren't they? I mean, not one of them I'd be interested in hearing from their thoughts on anything at all. Keeping up with the sort of the Kardashians. 
And then there's Bella Hadid. And uh, she's earned, in 2016, about three and a half million. That's how much people get paid now. If, if, you, if you move into the, the supermodel range, uh, for example, here, in 2016, Gigi Hadid uh, earned £7 million. Her father is a former Olympic skier, Mohammed Hadid, and uh, she worked... I mean, I suppose if you're in that, she lives in New York with the British singer Zayn Malik, and... Um, and all these people, they go out there. All they have to do is just put clothes on. They are effectively expensive clothes horses, you know, or very expensive hangers. And uh, they go out there, they put the things on, and they have a funny way of walking. There is a funny model way. Watch, just type in probably on Google or on YouTube, people's, um, people's walking down the, the, down, down the catwalk. They don't do it nor They don't walk like normal people. It's sort of, it's a bit odd. I can't really describe it, actually. Apparently, Kylie and Kendall Jenner are Kim and Khloe Kardashian's sisters. God, there's a whole family of them. Famous for being famous, isn't it? That's it. But then sort of people get them to sort of go out there and uh, and put sort of clothes on or not clothes on. And they seem... To, I mean, it's, it's just trash dressing. You know, if you look at Kylie Jenner, I don't know what she's wearing here. It's very nice if you're drag. But, you know, for a normal sort of outfit, it's not really the greatest kind of thing. And they're saying at the Met Ball, you know, all these people, they all try and... You know, I should imagine it's a never-ending... Never ending lineup of just people taking photographs of you. That's all it is, you know. So this way, thank, but come on, Gigi, thank you, Bella, can we have And that's all they do, and they just pose, then they eventually get inside and presumably have a reasonable, normal evening. But I shouldn't imagine they do. I think they, they just, people take pictures of them everywhere. That's what it is. Um, apparently, teenagers lie and fight more when they spend longer on smartphones. When they say smartphones, they mean like my phone. Is my phone a smartphone? Oh, right. Right. I just, I just had to check because I wasn't too sure what the what the qualifications were to have a phone as a smartphone. The ones that like it's like computers. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> I'm gonna sneeze again. Sorry. <coughs> Good lord above. I mean, honestly, that was like double sneeze and then one. That was a that was god oh dear. We should have pushed the button on that one. Uh, there's the picture actually of this lovely family. I I, I warmed to them. Because I saw the pictures yesterday. And this is the family. They're, they're desperate to have a girl in their family. And uh, she just sent another baby. Uh, she's got nine sons. And, uh, and others on the way. It's another boy. She can't stop having boys. Because people do that, don't they? They have the first child and they go, Oh, it's a boy. Let's have the second one. Oh, it's another boy. Uh, OK, let's try for third. So by the time you get to number nine, you're beginning to despair. And uh, they've all got sort of what I would call strange names, but I think they're Scottish names. I'm pretty certain. So you've got Hunter, who's four, Bran, who's six, Brodie, who's seven, Lachlan, who's nine, Corey, 11, Harrison, 13, and Campbell, 15. So there's like two years between all of them, isn't there? And that's, you know, they look look really lovely, actually. A couple of them look a bit pale. But uh, the latest one is going to be another boy. They're so desperate to have a girl. I don't think, people say that you can take things, don't they? You can sort of change your diet and that means that you're going to have a, a girl or you're not going to have a girl or you're going to have another boy. Uh, Mummy's little hero. He is Mummy's little hero. He really is. And her son is called uh, Didier, who won uh, a police bravery award. He helped bring to justice two violent robbers who attacked his mum on her doorstep. Uh, Eugene and his half-brother Devlin... Uh, Eugene Williams, his half-brother Devlin, grabbed jewellery worth hundreds of thousands of pounds from a string of victims. When they ambushed Tanya 
uh, Levenfitch in the driveway of her £6 million home, her son Didier was not cowed. Scaring the pair off by pressing a panic alarm, he studied their faces and was able to identify them in a line-up. Now, that is one heck of a brilliant kid. But, um, you know, that's good. Well done, you. Well done, you. And he, and he gets uh, a Police Bravery Award. And so he should do. However, my other good piece of news for you this morning, we'll do the front pages after the news at half past, is that Liz Smith, the actress, uh, has left some of her £688,000 estate to an Egyptian hospital for horses and donkeys. Isn't that nice? Because we know of this place here. Well, she, we know of her because she was Nana. In, uh, in the royal family, and she made a final request for some of her estate to go to the Brook Hospital for animals in Cairo. Isn't that lovely? So she left her the money to her two children, Robert, who's 63, seems odd, doesn't it, and Sarah, who's 66, and she requested her children divide part of the estate equally between the hospital, run by equine charity Brook, and an animal birth control fund which she set up. Nice, well done you. Well done you. They keep showing adverts on the tell. I get very distressed seeing people who abuse donkeys and things like that. And you think, they should be allowed to... Do- they're very aggressive donkeys. Well, I say aggressive, I mean stubborn. If they don't want to do something, they don't do it. But uh, unfortunately, in some of the places they're used abroad, they, they really mistreat them. And they end up, you know, they just- because they don't mean anything to anybody. We use loads of horses in the wars. And uh, they got blown up, they got blown up. Nobody cared about them. And you think, they didn't exactly have a choice. They didn't volunteer to go there. Um, the mannequins in the high street, way too thin. I don't know what sizes they're supposed to be out there, but uh, I would think, actually, they need to big them up a bit because, you know, big, and when I say big, I mean normal, uh, is the way forward. You can't have these stick-thin people. I mean, I've worked with some stick-thin people. That's lovely. It's very nice. I don't have a problem with... I just don't want them hanging around me. It makes me look worse, doesn't it? So anybody comes near me who's sort of under 12 stone, no thank you. Thank you very much indeed. Go talk to somebody else. Much easier. Other side of the news, we'll go through the front pages of the papers. We take more of your uh, texts and emails. 84850, steve at lbc.co.uk. Ed Sheeran, they say, now resembles Van Gogh or Van Gogh or whatever because he's, I mean, because he's got orange hair and a beard. Doesn't look at all like Van Gogh, does it? Well, I didn't think so. I'm glad you agreed with me. You're listening to a podcast from LBC. Coming up with Nick Ferrari in 26 minutes' time at breakfast as a reaction to that conversation between the Shadow Home Secretary, Diane Abbott, and Nick continues to go viral. What impact has it had? Plus, in an LBC first, Nick will be speaking to Simon Danjuk. He's been banned from standing for Labour in the upcoming general election, but will he stand as an independent candidate against his own party? Nick will be finding out later on. That's all with Nick Ferrari, just after the news at 7 o'clock this morning here on LBC. Uh, Tom says if Wills hadn't gone to court uh, over this uh, thing, we'd have forgotten about it. Well, to be honest with you, I I, I didn't forget about it. I just, I'd forgotten when it was. And to be honest with you, it didn't actually affect me. I don't, you know, but there again, I wasn't the person involved, so I suppose what you have to do is you have to look at the, the effect it might have had. I suppose the, the worst effect is, this is your wife, topless. And, um, and, that's, and that's why, isn't it? People go, it's a topless picture uh, of a woman who could one day be the Queen of, of England. But I mean, I should imagine by that time, um, it will all change. Her body would... I'm sorry, I'm getting myself... I'm going down a horrible cul-de-sac here and I don't know how to turn myself round. I'll just reverse out. Okay. It gets finished. Uh, so, yes, you're right, actually. Uh, I got my Royal Navy Long Service Medal from the Mayor of Hull. They're admirals and are admirals of the Humber, says Martin. Uh, Tracy's a window dresser. 
And she's emailed. God, we've never had a window dresser email. That's very exciting. I used to help out in window dressing. What you could do with lengths of, um, of sort of nylon and car... We used to print up all the labels to go in the shop window that I used to work at. I used to love it, actually. And draping material. I was very good at draping material. I can pinch pleat. I can do all out. We used to have it put on metal stands and then you'd... you'd pull off about three yards, no, you pull off about ten yards, actually, the material, and then drape it all up, and, oh, God, we're very good at that. But apparently most male mannequins have a 34-inch waist, smaller than a lot of women. I thought it would have been smaller than that, to be honest with you. The ones I looked at the other day in Richmond, they're tiny, tiny. As I say, there are certain shops like Zara that I can't go in. They don't, um, they don't make for me. <laughs> Obviously, I'm a bit, bit bigger than that. So most male mannequins are 34-inch waist, smaller than a lot of women. Yeah, I mean, the you know women's sizes are a lot bigger. I know that because I watch the television and I see people selling on the shopping channels and it's always the bigger sizes that sell out first. I'm hoping now, says Dave, that uh, that George Osborne is at the standard and the uh, he can stop them printing pictures of Cara Delevingne. I think they're getting their readers mixed up with people who care what she does. Yes, I don't understand this. She's just a clothes horse. Who cares? I'm not remotely interested. And uh, and you're, you're obviously all the same, because I get the same thing from people all the time. Uh, Graham says, even more like Van Gogh, if the darling princess swiped the sword differently. Yes, thank you. It doesn't look at all like him, I have to be honest with you. Uh, right, front pages. <clears throat> These are the stories you're going to be looking at, uh, and the stories that are going to annoy you, or the stories <clears throat> which you're going to be thinking, I wonder why they're still in the newspaper. And uh, it's William and the topless pictures on the front page of the Daily Mail. It's not their main story. It's their banner headline story. William topless Kate pictures more painful because of Diana. Yes, the one thing we never got was topless pictures of Diana, did we? We never we never got topless pictures of Diana. We were, we were quite surprised when we got the pictures of uh, Kate. Also, sure you want Megan at your wedding, Pippa? Um, there's a rumour that she's going to be there. She's done an interview with Good Housekeeping magazine. She thinks she's going to be cooking the, uh, the family roast chicken. Like, she'd all sit around and go, actually, really, good. it's really quite good, this chicken, you know. Up until now, we've been having linguine and, uh, and, uh, and, and pizza. I had a lovely pizza the other day, actually. Uh, I don't know why I told you that. It's only because I kept thinking, you know, so she makes roast chicken. <laughs> Might be good where you come from, darling, in Canada, but this is the royal family. I don't think they do roast chicken. I don't think so. IVF clinics peddling false hope over egg freezing. And this is the fertility clinics who are failing... Women and giving them false hope by exaggerating their success rates with frozen eggs. Uh, undercover reporter was told the chance of the delayed motherhood technique working was as high as 65%. However, official figures show only around 15% of IVF cycles using frozen eggs are successful. One doctor said freezing 15 to 20 eggs was an insurance policy. Yet the fertility watchdog says just one in 50 frozen eggs leads to a baby. Interesting. Actually, there was a, who was angry in the papers the other day? On one of the uh, online things, it was the uh, Gemma Collins, who apparently has now gone on record. I think she was on a TV programme talking about how she had a one-night stand with Arge Argent, um, and they didn't use contraception because she wanted to get pregnant so she could have baby. And you think to yourself, it's, just, it's really wrong, isn't it? It's really wrong. And then he's criticised her for talking about a one-night stand, and she said, "I'm not ashamed." It's always tacky, isn't it, when people on NAF shows come out with things like that. Daily Express, uh, doctor's urgent warning to millions of patients. Keep taking the statins. I have no intention of stopping taking the statins. Thank you very much indeed. Many reported side effects 
this is a cholesterol-busting drug. Safest way to reduce the risk of fatal heart attacks and strokes. Um, I've been taking them for years. Seriously, I've been taking a lot of statins. And uh, so far, so good. But we just increased the beta blocker. We've gone up a few notches to a stronger tablet, which we have to stop for two days when we go in to have this uh, this procedure, the stress thing. Daily Star today, a 1.3 million to see Kate Topless. But you could have bought it. I mean, I don't know. Why would anybody be interested? Is she is she well known abroad? And people go, we want to see topless pictures of her. There's also a Met Gala flash, flash, flash. This is people wearing, you know, not very much and thinking that they're class. This is this is an, a, another version of trailer trash. It's people turning up in an outfit they know is going to get a picture taken because they're they're wearing see-through outfits. I've noticed recently that people seem to be wearing less and less. This is women. It's not men. Men are kind of stuck with it. I mean, occasionally, well, I saw somebody the other day, a man in flip-flops and, uh, and a shirt and a pair of shorts. And admittedly, the weather was quite nice, but I don't think it was actually flip-flop weather. Something, I used to live in flip-flops. I haven't bought a pair for a long time. Perhaps I should go and get, get a pair of flip-flops today. Maddie's parents kept info from cops. Shock claims on 10th anniversary. This is this, this uh, Portuguese uh, police officer who's, um, who's been on television over there saying all sorts of things about them. And you can go online and find out the, uh, the six favourite stories which are trending on where Madeleine McCann is. Most seem to think that she's not alive anymore, but that doesn't mean anything, does it? I mean, if she isn't and they don't find her again, how long does this go for? The answer is, I suppose, it goes for as long as they want it to go for. As long as the government keep putting money into it, whether or not, uh, you know, governments will continue to fund it, I don't know. I thought they'd just given some more money for just uh, for six more months and then they've said that's it. But there again, they get near it. How can you just withdraw it? They've said they'll do everything in their power to make sure they keep on looking. But I didn't think they were looking. They're trying to get on with their lives with this hanging over hanging over them at the same time, which is not so good. Uh, the Sun this morning. Uh, this is the line of beauty, Tandy Newton. She's arrested, apparently, in line of duty. OK, I mean, I, inadvertently, earlier on, I did say she'd been killed. I don't know where I got that from. I think I read it somewhere. But then, if you haven't seen it, uh, she's fine. And uh, and it's looking forward to the next series, which I believe they're already, it's already been commissioned. Apparently it was so well written. I will buy the box set or whatever whatever it comes out as. Wax cylinder, I should imagine. Uh, 18 to 7, Barbara Windsor, The Secret of Why I've Never Had Any Kids. This is a new programme, uh, which is coming up on the television, looking at her life and what a life. If you've read her autobiography, you'll know why. Uh, the Royal Mint fiasco, quids on the skids. Thousands of pound coins are faulty. They found four. I don't think really it's thousands. I mean, you know, but the, but the sort of the sort of the average. There's the polo pound where the middle's dropped out, but it could have been cut out. The melty middle, I quite like actually. The quirky quid. Uh, how many pound coins will be in circulation within months? One point five billion. One point five billion. So they find about twenty where they've got sort of problems with them. We had it with the two pound coin. I don't know why they're getting so so much of their knickers in a twist. You don't need to worry about things like that. It's not going to change anything, is it really? Not going to change anything. So what is, I'm just trying to work out. I'm sorry to sort of uh, detract from my normal train of thought. Um, what is this chicken that Megan does? It's her signature roast chicken. She's just an actress. What do you mean her signature roast chicken? People say, oh, this is my signature prawn cocktail. And what is it? It's prawns and a Mary Rose sauce. OK, right. So the same as everybody else does. How would Phil? How would Phil Vickery do a? What is signature chicken? For goodness' sake, Phil! I mean, what does that mean? 
Does that mean she sort of probably rubbed the, the skin of the chicken with butter or something like that, or peppered it with uh, sticking the butter under the skin so it becomes a butter chicken? But anyway, the American actress uh, championed her cooking skills and in a sign she could soon use it to win over the Queen and Prince Charles, as if... You are never going to get the Queen and Prince Charles to pop over. This is the royal family, dear. They don't do that. It's not like at home where you, where your auntie Winifred comes over, you know, and brings your your sort of your uncle, you know, Max or whoever it is. This is the royal family. I mean, the very thought that the Queen actually got sort of uh, Philip, we, we're going for dinner tonight. Are we? Yes, we, we, we're going to have some chicken. Chicken? Are we going to have chicken? Not not Nando's again, is it? Oh, no, we, we, Megan's cooking it. Megan? Who's Megan? You know, the one that Harry's with. Megan? Where's she from? She's an actress, Philip. I told you, she's an actress. She's apparently a huge celebrity, and she's, she makes chicken. I don't want chicken. I don't want anything that's not liquidised. Well, she makes a ch- It's a signature dish. Signature dish? What are you on about, woman? I'm not going for chicken. I'm staying in. Give me a crossword and a bowl of cornflakes, and I'm quite happy. Chicken, indeed. But apparently... It's it's the perfect roast chicken. Uh, she says, I bring it to dinner parties and make it for a lot of friends. Oh, God, she's mad as a stick now. What, so she, would you like to come to a party? No, and St. Dawson's not invite Megan. Why, she'll bring another blooming chicken. People think that, don't they? They think, oh, that's nice, isn't it? Somebody's turned up to a party with a chicken in a box or something. No, not for me. Not for me. I think she probably has... I think she probably is on a celebrity dinner party programme. But, um... She's based for Suits in... Uh, apparently, she's been dating Harry since last summer and and stayed with him several times. Don't go there. Don't make me say it. I think she's done her signature dish. No, come on. In here. In here. We're not doing signature chicken now. But I, I cook signature chicken for you. Do you want to eat it, little Harry? Do you want to eat my little signature chicken? No, nobody wants to eat your chicken. Get in here. Get your clothes off. You know, <laughs> wasting time in the kitchen. You're ridiculous. She's only over for two days. And so, what are we going to do? Let's make a... Ch- what do you think Harry's signature dish is? Don't go there again. OK. You're listening to a podcast from LBC. Morning, everybody. 12 minutes to 7. Nice to be company. It's LBC, Nick Ferrari and the team with you just after the news at 7 o'clock this morning. Uh, Steve... Uh, I always wanted a girl, but I ended up with two boys. But I never carried on having children until my desire was fulfilled. People should be grateful for what they have and give their love and attention to the children they were blessed with. Yeah, but some families like that, don't they? But then all of a sudden, if they do have a girl, they've got ten boys and one girl. How's she going to feel? Terrible, I should imagine. Uh, very pleased, says Sandy in Leeds, that Liz Smith left a bequest to the Brook Donkeys. Heartbreaking how they're made to work in terrible conditions. I send money every month. And then somebody says, has Jason Manford got a new agent? A bit like Eamon Holmes. He's on everything at the moment. Called me old school, but why on his new show, Big Heads, does he present the show with one hand in his trouser pocket? Very unprofessional, Steve. Yes, I mean, I don't... You know I've never been... But I think he's, I think he's quite funny as a comedian. It was after he went off the rails a little bit. Um, when he was sort of... He, he discovered the telephone and the things you could do with it. That I sort of kind of went, oh, maybe not so much. Maybe not so much now. Ed Sheeran looks more like Mick Hucknell. Yeah, um, yeah, probably. I don't know why. I mean, I, I quite like him. He, he, he's, I mean, he probably looks completely different in the flesh, doesn't he? I should imagine. But uh, I've never seen him in the flesh. He's been in this building loads of times, but I've just, I've never been at the right moment. Uh, the Daily Mirror today. Uh, Kate demands 1.3 million over topless pictures. Duchess in shocking snaps court battle with French magazine. If they, I mean, just imagine a scenario. Say they lose. 
Who pays for this? Do they have to pay for the court costs and things like that? I don't know. I don't know how the... Uh, I'm not au fait with how the French courts operate this sort of thing. I don't know what, what the track record is. But uh, I'm sure we will find out. But as, as has been pointed out by quite a few of them this morning, we'd all forgotten about it. Seriously, we'd all forgotten about it. And it never even crossed my mind that the pictures... That's the trouble with the internet now. You know, people say, oh, you know, there aren't any pictures. Don't worry, we've taken all the magazines away and done whatever. And you go, no, it's all over the internet. You know, as fast as, you know, a picture goes up, somebody takes it down, then somebody else posts it up again. You can find... That's why all these celebrities get busted. You know, everybody from Little Arge Argent. That's a peculiar boy. Three months he was away. Obviously, no, no work in the diary whatsoever. He went out for dinner with somebody from the programme the other day. Very unwise, I thought, but there you go. And as the McCanns mark ten agonising years uh, without their Maddie, how can the Portuguese police be so vile? This is the, uh, the Daily Mirror for today. Front page of the eye, statins don't believe the scare stories. Thousands of Britons dying from heart attacks and strokes because of misleading warning. Fewer patients are taking life-saving treatment. I take all my tablets. I said to you before, about 80 a week. 80 tablets a week I take. I mean, to be honest with you, it is that old joke about, you know, you run and you rattle because you've taken so many tablets. In the morning. It's just ridiculous. But uh, if you need them to stay alive, that's what I'm taking. Thank you very much indeed. Um, oh, F- uh, Phil, Phil Vickery came back and said, uh, I think they mean her way, ridiculous. So, you know, you say signature chicken. And Phil said, what's your signature chicken, Steve? KFC. See, there's always bitterness somewhere, isn't there? There's always people who are prepared to sort of dig the knife in. I haven't had KFC for ages, about three or four months. It's only because I know that it's not particularly good for me. Because the bit that I like is the bit that's bad, which is the coating. The chicken's fine. It's the, it's the coating. But that's the only bit we like, isn't it? It's like hot dogs. Do I like hot dogs? Yes. Could I eat two? Probably not. But uh, big ones... So it's making my mouth water. In Austria, they do them differently. They cut a baguette in half and poke it onto a hot spike. And that sort of hollows out the middle of the baguette. And then they squirt in the, uh, the m- mustard, the senf, which is like a mild mustard. And then they drop the sausage in. It's delicious. <laughs> Seriously. It's the best thing that they, they do in Austria. The rest of their food is rubbish. Uh, the Times. Fly tipping epidemic costs 600 million a year. What sort of people fly tip? What sort of people fly tip? I mean, there are all sorts of people who sort of set up uh, as licensed rubbish collectors. And then what they do, they just go and dump it in the countryside. It's ridiculous, actually. Anti-litter campaigners blame the rise on cuts to council collections and charges imposed at many council tips, such as five quid for a tyre in Dorset and £3.60 for a bag of rubble in Somerset. That's why people do it, isn't it? They, um, They actually end up sort of giving their rubbish to somebody who's got a flatbed truck who then just goes down the road. You can see that I think these people should be followed by drones. And they literally uh, go and dump it in a lane. So many farmers around our way have had to put big blocks in front of their gates to stop people driving on there and dumping rubbish. It's appalling. Absolutely appalling. These people are filth. Filth. Uh, the Guardian today says, uh, says, says, says Merkel, Merkel urges Putin to rein in Chechnya on gay rights. Isn't this the the story the other day, which emerged, I think it sort of came through this morning, is that Putin and uh, Trump are going to have dialogue about uh, about North Korea. So I think that's good news. I'm very pleased about things like that. Um, Phil Vickery says, you're not that easily offended. <laughs> Probably not, actually. Probably not. And Will, Will Guyatt says, my signature dish is takeaway. Big surprise there. Big surprise there. Actually, I, I like I like takeaways. You know, I, I, I do like takeaways. 
But um, we don't really have sort of a Chinese takeaway anymore. We've got one, but it, it involves a bit of a walk, and I'm not... Uh, I don't do that. I want it just to sort of arrive. It used to be over the road from me, which was much, much easier. Uh, the Daily Telegraph, the fashion Oscars, how the A-list tackled the trickiest dress code of the year. They're not the A-list. It's the Kardashian family and a few other people who are models. You know, have you tried having conversation with models? They're on another planet. They really are. They're all sort of a bit airy-fairy. Uh, the uh, other story here is the, the Duke's distress at the topless pictures of his wife. I don't know why. I thought they looked OK. You know, from what I remember, I don't remember very much about them, but they look OK. But he, he's sort of... Uh, they say he's demanding 1.5 million. I, I don't know. I'm not sure this is actually going to go their way. I've just got a feeling the court are going to go, listen, the photographer, as you've now discovered, was half a mile away. I mean, half a mile away. I mean, I don't know. Did she deliberately want to take pictures of the of, <coughs> of the Duchess? Did she know for a fact that the Duchess would be sunbathing topless? Were they tipped off by a member? I don't know. I don't know. I wasn't there. It's owned by the family, apparently. I don't know whether it's his family or a, an offshoot of the family, but that's where they went. Because you would have thought it would be a safe place. But, I mean, if you're going topless and the staff wandering around, maybe maybe not such a good idea. And also, if it's a castle, why, why is she up in a place where she can be seen from half a mile away? You know, there are satellites up there in the sky tracking our every move. You know, I'm beginning to wonder, I walk around in my pants, whether or not there's going to be secret pictures flashed to the media. Steve Allen in his pants at three in the morning. I mean, it's, it's a horrendous thought, I admit, but, you know. Uh, also, the false statins fears cost thousands of lives. Listen, if they say you take statins, take my word for it, you take statins. You want to stay alive, don't you? This whole idea of sort of taking something. I know some people don't do tablets, do they? They don't do tablets or sprays. I've come to rely on them. I've come to sort of look at them as sort of a, an essential part of my day-to-day -day life. Taking tablets, making sure I take the... T if I forget them before I go to bed, I'm in a dreadful state. Because I, I sort of wake up. So you've got to remember to do that. I've got to remember to, um, to sort of uh, uh, to do the injections, all these stupid things. Uh, Phil's going to a nice place for lunch today, which I've been to. And it's called Rules. And it's in Covent Garden. And it's really nice. They're, they're, isn't there specialists? Is it roast beef and stuff like that? I've only been there once, but uh, it, was, it was what they call fine dining. But it's sort of at a price that most people can afford. I bet you're being taken. I bet you're being taken to it. It's a nice place, rules. I've not been there for ages and ages, and I used to love... We used to go to a hotel, me and my dad, in uh, Knightsbridge, and they used to do a lovely uh, Sunday buffet, which was people carving roast beef and having, you know, your Yorkshire puddings. And all. Although I spoke to somebody the other day who discovered a pub which did lamb with Yorkshire puddings. Have you ever heard of such a thing? Lamb and your... Oh, right, it's quite normal, is it? Oh, right. I just thought it was roast beef and Yorkshire pudding with a bit of stuffing. But it's got to be crispy roast potatoes. I'm not having anything fobbed off of me that's not a crispy roast potato. Uh, that, as they say, is, uh, is just about it. Uh, Phil's paying. Obviously going by himself, I should imagine. <laughs> One of those sort of things. So how much, how much meal for four, Phil, in rules? I wouldn't, I wouldn't even know, actually. I'm assuming that the drink is, uh, is fairly pricey. I discovered a place the other day that was doing Prosecco at 31 quid a bottle, which I thought, I thought that seemed really expensive in a restaurant. £31. I mean, even in London pubs, you can get it for about 20 22 25 something like that. I thought 31 was way too expensive. I'd rather take my own, shove it down my trousers, and then pour it out every so often. But uh, not going to happen. It's going to let me know. <laughs> it's like two-way family favourites, this programme at times, isn't it, really? But anyway, thank you so much indeed for your uh, company. We'll do it again tomorrow morning.
And you can podcast. We have a free podcast for you. And then we have this programme, which will be uh, podcasted a little bit later on as well. And uh, then you can follow me on Twitter, at Steve Allen Show. Uh, plus, we wish David Beckham happy birthday as he celebrates 42. Uh, plus, Peter Kay announcing the end of the road for the car share programme. And he's reiterated there is no Christmas special. I thought there would be a Christmas special, but he says he says not. And one in nine men feel lonely every day. You never feel lonely if you've got LBC on in the background. Or just me shouting at the radio. So much easier. You can listen to LBC whenever you want, wherever you are. Download the free LBC app for your mobile or tablet. Never miss a moment. Leading Britain's conversation at ten, it's James O'Brien. Coming up next, with breakfast, Nick Ferrari. If you enjoyed this podcast, listen to Steve Allen live from 4am Monday to Friday and Saturday and Sunday from 5am.